You're listening to Pitch Perfect, the podcast, not the movie. And I'm your host, Nate, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh, but you might know him better from his work as Nicolas Cage's vocal trainer on the set of Willy's Wonderland. Yes, hello, welcome. I am so proud of that movie. Uh, I wrote so many lines for Nick Cage. I haven't seen it yet. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure it's great. I've heard it's people really enjoy it but you know i just came with all these like wonderful things that nick cage will say during the movie and i can't wait to see how that turns out yeah well what's that we're all anticipating it there's this one point where he uh is victorious after his fight with the animatronics and they play free bird in the background and he's like basically just like saying i'm a free bird killed that other bird i mean that is what the song free bird is about yeah, but he's saying it. You know, mm-hmm. like Nick Cage is saying it. It's kind of like it's like kind of like the movie Highlander, but about birds. Yes, and also other animatronics that aren't birds. D- Wait, I don't. Is there a? Hmm? Oh, he does. Oh, there is a bird. The very first one's a bird. The ostrich. Yeah, it's an ostrich. I forgot. Because <laughs> I was like, this is a total tangent about that. Uh, this other movie that is not doesn't have anything to do with what this podcast is about. Yeah, it's it's almost like we do this every episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Every time the turtle showed up, I was slightly distracted because I was like, that was definitely a bird that they changed into a turtle at some point during production. Nate, I got a, I got a secret for you. My original pitch was that they were all birds, and then when I finished the design, they were like, no, they can't all be birds. What's wrong with you? And we changed them to not be birds. Mm. But I think you got a little sneak peek behind the camera and saw they were all birds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I really have an eye for when things were birds previously. <laughs> okay, I think we're gonna. Yeah, let's get into that. This is a Welcome weird way to, to perfect. start our season finale. This is the actual, actual season finale. We have done some weird kind of magic to make sure that no scientists, fictional or otherwise, looking at you, Carl Sagan, will get into our podcast. Yes, we're gonna have a science free episode. <laughs> We might. So, Welcome to Pitch Perfect, Season 1 finale. I'll just start off my intro as always. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. The infamous hero is now the man of the hour, Ernest P. Worrell. The best being a musician to use his amazing powers in never any battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Ernest has assumed the disguise of something we'll figure out later. With lofty goals of being something else, we'll probably also figure out later. That's right. Welcome to the importance of being Ernest. My co-host and I talk about Ernest's incredible legacy and how things might be a little bit different if our hero Jim Varney had returned to his home planet so soon. Yes, this is the final episode of Pitch Perfect, the podcast, not the movie, season one, The Importance of Being Ernest. We have watched every movie starring the character Ernest P. Worrell. Even the one that he's only kind of in for a second, but also he's not because it's another character disguises him. And we have learned everything we can from these films about what makes an earnest movie, what makes an earnest movie, and also what makes an earnest movie a good earnest movie. And we are going to apply that knowledge and come up with a pitch for the perfect earnest movie. And at the end of this episode, we are going to pitch that movie to you, our beloved and extremely sensual listeners. Yes. Now, for listeners who might want to jump ahead and hear that perfect pitch, please check out the timestamp in our description that will tell you exactly where you can jump to to hear that pitch in general. But if you want to hang out with us as we talk and jibber and jabber back and forth and try to focus all of our knowledge into this giant pile of goo that we eventually mold and sculpt 
like the great sculptor uh, whoever makes the um, those like hot dogs the like the like anthropomorphic hot dogs that are squirting mustard on themselves outside of like hot dog stands on the boardwalk whoever that guy is yeah like that guy and then you can go hang out with us and we will do this now but otherwise skip ahead and hear our amazing pitch okay so obviously like i think the first thing we have to knock out here is that what is essential for an earnest movie it's not on the list because it's taken as a given and also it's kind of covered by hat and vest is that it has to have <laughs> Ernest in it he's got to be in it yeah. and he he has to be the main character yeah, we learned this specifically from Dr. Otto, where he's not in it. And we also learned this from uh, Ernest Saves Christmas, where Ernest isn't really the main character. So then we're going to start there. The first element of our pitch that we have nailed down is, it's about Ernest. <laughs> yep. So We got... have figured this out. It took us ten movies, but we got there. Yeah. Because, like, you know, we, we could have... I mean, there's a non-zero chance we'll watch another one of these franchises, and we'll be like, you know what? You don't need an Indiana Jones for an Indiana Jones movie, which is kind of a thing I do believe. But that is not the case with Ernest. Gotta have Ernest. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, should we just read off the essentials list that we have created in our journey? Uh, yes, I think that's a good place to start. So that we're all on the all same right. page going into this. Nate, you famously, throughout our friendship, loved to read me lists. Yes. So I'm going to pass this honor to you. Read that list, buddy. Okay, so... Ernest has to wear a hat and vest. Yep. He's going to do that. I don't think that's a thing we need, really need to talk about when we're pitching. Just know that it, when you imagine Ernest doing the things we, we tell you he's going to do, he's going to be wearing a hat and vest when he does that. Also, if we say that he's going to be wearing a different hat and vest, it's going to be a very similar hat and vest. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, there's a, a, a visual unity to Ernest. It's kind of like how, you know, like when Mario gets a power up. It's like, oh, uh, but he's still got a hat and overalls. He just looks like a bee now. That's kind of how Ernest operates. Yeah, we're going to have Ernest have a hat and vest, but also make him look like a bee now. Mm-hmm. Who could it be now? It's <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> and you know what about him is that he should be a low-status character with ambition. And there should be an element of class struggle in the movie. Agreed. Ernest always plays a janitor. Or some kind of mechanic, or some kind of blue-collar job, and that's I, that's pretty vital. He's most often a janitor, I believe. If we went back yeah. and checked, I think he would be a janitor more often than he is. He should be a quote crafts end quote man. Now, what that means for someone who has for some reason skipped to the final episode of Nautilus and the other one is that uh, Ernest makes ridiculous contraptions that go haywire and cause comedy and hijinks. Yes. None of his contraptions work. They all seem crazy. And the best example of this is Ernest goes to camp where he tries to fry two rotisserie chickens and, like, five hot dogs at once. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, cool, great. Doesn't seem practical. And then it falls apart completely. Yeah, he's, he's a, a prolific and passionate but not skilled inventor. Ernest should spout folksy, quote, wisdom, unquote. Yes. Whenever Ernest sees something he knows something about it even though whatever he says probably doesn't indicate that he knows anything about it yeah most often this this manifest is him saying something that sounds like a like a wise quote or a proverb or something but actually doesn't make any sense or he's saying very confidently a fact that is obviously and absurdly wrong yep 
He's got various catchphrases, which include him reacting to gross things by going, he has, you know what I mean? Which he says, which that often comes at the end of the folksy wisdom. And he's got a sort of um, cocky snicker that he does. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a real stinker. He is a stinker. And it's it's important to note that we need to have some kind of gross toilet humor in this movie. Yeah, otherwise he's not going to be able to do one of these main catchphrases. Uh, mm-hmm. The movies should have a lot of slapstick comedy. That's kind of the main comedy of an earnest movie. He is Gamera-esque, which means that he is a friend to all children, but also a child at heart. Which I guess is maybe... Not, I don't know if that's true about Gamera. Is Gamera a child at heart? Uh... I haven't watched enough Gamera movies to tell you that. I've only seen a few. Wish we brought back our uh, guest, Tyler the Football, yeah. who's probably seen all of them and would be able to tell us. Well, I've also seen all of them. You have? Yeah, I've seen every Gamera movie. Then you shouldn't be able to answer the question, damn it. I'm, but he's, I'm saying, like, I don't know. Like, I look... This is, like... I look at him and it's like, I can't... I can't so a lot of times you can't tell what's going on inside a Gamera's brain. I think what we should put this on hold and answer this question later in... A later season, Lights, Camera, Action. <laughs> oh, man, we definitely should do that. <laughs> All right, well, just in general, let's just say that Ernest, despite his similarities of the giant turtle, should be a friend to all children and a child at heart. Yeah. Uh, because that really makes him someone you can relate with on the screen and endearing. Yeah, this is like the thing... Oh, I was listening to a podcast they were talking about a manga or something. And and they were talking about characters that are written to be annoying but aren't annoying to the viewer. And they get bring up, brought up SpongeBob as an example. And I think this is true of Ernest, too. It's like the characters can have grating mannerisms, but there needs to be like a certain endearing quality and innocence to them. Or we're just going to despise them. Pee Wee Herman is another character, obviously a big influence on Ernest. That's another character who has the same sort of thing going on. Yeah, same thing with Bugs Bunny, who's also a major influence on Ernest. And Ernest is... Very Bugs Bunny-esque. Yes. He's like a cross between a giant turtle and a wisecracking rabbit. <laughs> and Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, yeah. So definitely we got to keep that in mind as we go along. He doesn't necessarily have to have a kid sidekick, mm-hmm. um, but he definitely has to have this sort of innocence to him to let us feel like this guy needs, you know, our support. Yes, he has to have a complicated relationship with animals and machines. That is vital. Most of the comedy that we get from previous Ernest movies comes from him either being attacked by animals or having issues with animals or having issues with machines or being attacked by machines, especially machines that he creates. Yeah, the complicated part is that Ernest loves these things. He loves building stuff. He loves animals. But they cause him endless pain. Yeah, like when Rimshot trapped him in a dumpster. Exactly. And sort of feeding into that, often a cause of the relationship being so complicated, is that Ernest needs to be incompetent slash inept. Um, what is the distinction between those, and why did we make a distinction between those? Uh, I mean, I think, like, you get down to it, like, it factors into everything overall. Mm-hmm. Wherein, you know, he's a craftsman, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, he also immediately destroys whatever he's crafting. Uh, and, like, he made the troll trap and scared stupid, and then immediately got himself stuck in the troll trap. Yeah. You know, like, he just does things... Where he's, like, not intending to do it, and it just happens, and it screws everything up, and it's funny. I think if I had to guess at our reasoning behind this wording, because I think I I wrote this part, is, in my mind, incompetent means you're bad at your job. Inept means you're just kind of bad at everything in general. And both work. You know, when he is usually a janitor, he's bad at it. He tapes up a leaky sink to fix it. He, you know, he can't mop a floor to save his life. 
And then just in general, whenever he's out doing stuff to whatever the plot is, he's bad at it mostly. This is true. Uh, there has to be cartoon violence. And I think the reason that this is separate from slapstick is there's lots of things that have slapstick comedy that I wouldn't call cartoon violence. Like, you know, the three stooges hit each other, but they never get flattened into a pancake. Yeah, Ernest gets flattened to a pancake on multiple occasions. Yeah. Uh, he should be overly and quickly confident. Yes, this factors into folksy wisdom, but the reason we separate it out is because whenever Ernest gets, like, his superpower or he like gets involved in being something he's never done before he will just be like yep i can do that you know you just get some magical shoes learns to fly and that's not amazing to him that's just like now he is completely confident in his ability to fly forever yeah the second Ernest starts doing something he believes himself to be an expert at doing it yeah and i think that's important to separate from folksy wisdom yeah there should be a fantastical element uh, you know be this fantasy or sci-fi some element of the supernatural or the uncanny should be present. It could be as overt as a giant troll that is actively trying to murder him because of the sins of his forefathers. Or it could be as subtle as a Native American ritual that abused him with immortality. This is key, I believe. I think we discovered this through our journey because we need a, a hook to bring us into this realm and have something that Ernest can't really fathom and go against and that really relies itself in the fantastical element this also i think helps make it so the plot isn't entirely driven by Ernest being stupid which helps him mm -hmm. not be annoying you also have to remember this is the way we're pitching these movies because it's an Ernest movie is the general audience of all ages this is yes. a kid's movie this is something you can take your family to so the idea of him being a child at heart as well mm -hmm. as the idea of some sort of fantastical element really factors into that. Mm -hmm. And another thing that helps Ernest not be annoying and, in fact, be endearing is that there should be an element of self-sacrifice. Ernest has got to, at some point in the movie, put it all on the line for the greater good or to protect someone else beside himself. Mm -hmm. He has to hit rock bottom. Yes. Uh, typically, this is after he suffers physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, he will ultimately triumph. This is really important because we need him to triumph. But... At some point, in between him suffering physically and emotionally through all the cartoon violence and slapstick, he needs to hit the bottomest bottom that he can hit, because this will really latch us into the character. And I think, like, if you're listening to this list, you're probably coming to the conclusion that, like, a lot of these are just, like, basic storytelling rules. And I think that that's true and works here, because what they sort of all come together to tell us is that these movies really need to rely on, like, basic elemental storytelling because like you said different kids Ernest is a simple character that is as we have learned kind of easy to get wrong mm -hmm. so you I think relying on the this sort of like almost like primordial story structure is really useful I mean also just in general like it's key to like keep that in mind like it's easy to lose focus on stuff like that when you're working with the ideas of like oh a fantastical element oh this needs to happen you know it's always good to remember the basics regardless so just wanted to put that out there yeah Ernest needs to have a hater we had a lot of discussion over a couple episodes about like whether or not this is distinct from an antagonist and the conclusion we came to is it is because your antagonist is your character that whose uh nefarious actions are driving the plot but the hater is another character who can sometimes be combined with the antagonist but is someone that specifically hates Ernest and exists to underline that Ernest is a low-status character. Mm -hmm. 
like the most clear example of this is in Ernest Goes to Jail with Mr. Poodle Smurf, Puddle Smythe, whatever his actual name is, the, the boss at the the bank who just fucking hates Ernest. Yeah, and this character doesn't have to weigh fully into the plot, just has to be there to underline that and doesn't have to be there like for the entirety of the movie, but you know, we'll figure that out as we go, but it's still vital that this character exists. Factoring into that, Ernest needs to be easily bamboozled and distracted. Now, this can work to the hater's advantage or the antagonist's advantage, but in general, a way to get Ernest more involved in whatever complex, fantastical thing is happening across the board. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the next thing is the two-character trope, which is another one that we potentially need to explain. Um, you mean this one isn't in basic film story? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you read Save the Cat, they're always like, you gotta have the two characters, and everyone knows what that means immediately. You know, there's all those casting call sheets where they're like, we're looking for, you know, like, one of the two characters. I mean, so, like, what this is, is there needs to be, this is such a strange thing. It's hard to, like, it does not sound like it's essential when you explain it because it's so specific. And it kind of runs counter to the thing we were talking about of, like, simple, basic, elemental storytelling. It's like, there needs to be a comedy duo hopefully played by two specific guys, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, who are, like, side characters that the movie cuts to every so often, who ideally do interact with Ernest and play into the larger plot, but don't necessarily have to. And the reason I think that this is essential is, one, it's fun, and we like those two guys, but also what we learn from movies that don't have them is, like, there has to be something else going on. It can't just be Ernest. Yeah, Ernest, when doing all the heavy lifting, makes it more difficult to really uh, center ourselves in general. Mm-hmm. You know, he becomes, unfortunately, I hate to say it, he becomes a little tiresome. Yeah. And the plot doesn't really necessarily work uh, when you're focusing the entirety of the movie on this particular character, even though like he's going to hold up most of the movie. We need something to balance it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's what that is. Right, and to add to that, before you get to the last one, I think, in general... It's very important to note, to balance the character of Ernest out, the world needs to be chaotic in general. Mm-hmm. You know, Ernest is a chaotic character, but also chaotic stuff just needs to happen. Just yeah. general elements of chaos, which will in- be included in the two-character trope. Mm-hmm. So the movie should... This is another one where it's like, this doesn't seem essential, but it really actually is. Which is that the movie should need to have an opening credit sequence that has, like, a specific concept, not just, like, oh, here's a credits on screen, and it should serve to sort of set the goofy tone of the movie. Yeah, this, this factors into two specific things. One, again, the all-ages concept. Uh, this is kind of a kid's movie, and it'll really help build that tone and set it for the rest of the movie. But secondly, this has a lot to do with just Jim Varney. Jim Varney is especially entertaining when he's just doing these, like, short nonsense stuff in his character work. And I think a really prime example of this is Ernest Scared Stupid, where Mm. the opening credits is just Jim Varney doing dumb faces and using a werewolf claw of his own hand on his own face to, like, just set the tone of, like, oh, man, we're going to have a good time here. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all our essentials. That's that's all the things we have to keep in mind as we're constructing our idea for this Ernest movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Do we want to sort of set boundaries for ourselves by talking about the high and low points of the franchise now before we get into the the meat of the discussion? The things we're trying to shoot for and the things we're trying to avoid. Yeah, let's do that quickly. And then I want to set ground rules for our pitch overall. Okay, sure. 
So our our high point of the entire Ernest franchise, our favorite thing collectively as a podcast of all the things that happen in the Ernest movies is this one bit in Ernest Goes to Jail where he does this sort of extended physical comedy routine with a leaky pen and his mouth. And it's very funny. And like Josh was saying about like, oh, like the that opening credit sequence is like a showcase for Varney's physical comedy. This is really like, I think, his sort of magnum opus of physical comedy. Because it's all just like him, his hands, his face, and the prop of the pen and the notepad. Yes. And uh, for those not in the know, you can definitely check out the scene on YouTube. I found it myself of just this scene. And it rules. Uh, you don't necessarily have to watch Ernest Goes to Jail, although you should because it's a good, mostly a good movie. Probably one of the high points movies of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I know it's your, your your favorite, mate. So this scene in particular is kind of like the, uh, the high point of comedy in general because it basically could exist outside of the movie. Yeah, you could this this like we we call it like a vaudeville scene. It does like call to mind stuff from like silent films. Like this could just be a sequence in a short film that's like wacky juror. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up, like, the Three Stooges before. This is basically, like, a Three Stooges bit. Yeah. Well, so I think the thing we should learn from this is, like, we gotta work in... We have to set up our movie in a way, or specifically work in a moment, for where Varney could have sh- really shown off his physical comedy skills in, like, a really tight comedic sequence. And so our low point, though, is um, another <laughs> long sequence of Jim Varney attempting some comedy, except this one's really bad it involves a character he is doing called hey you which is a racist caricature of an indian servant like an like an untouchable it's it's it gets tries tries to get a lot of humor out of the caste system it goes on for too long it's uncomfortable and it's racist and i think like the main thing we should learn from this is just let's let's not be racist which thankfully I don't think it's actually very hard. No, that shouldn't be a problem for us. Uh, but specifically, we're not going to have the earnest character in any brown face or doing any racist impressions. Yes. As long as we are doing better than being very racist, we at least won't have the worst earnest movie. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, it's like... You know, you know what I mean? You know. Yes, exactly. The thing... Us doing this podcast has infected people with saying you know what I mean, but it's like created a war inside my mind because i already would say you know what i'm saying or just you know like to the point where it was like a real life catchphrase for me so now i've got them all fighting inside my head every time i say something yes we have terribly damaged ourselves for the good of the world now before i get to my ground rules do you want to talk about like the stuff that we like that we really should include in the movie or uh should i get them to the ground i can rules? talk about that so yeah so there's a couple things that aren't we decided weren't weren't like essentials like there are movies that don't necessarily have these things or utilize them that we like but these are things that do still feel like they're important one is Ernest's beloved dog rimshot who we all love equally and one of us isn't weirdly fixated on yeah totally <laughs> I'm just saying, if there was, like, a, a wheel of some sort, and the choices were between Rimshot and another Ernest pet, such as Pokey, I might w- vote towards Pokey. But I will definitely give you Rimshot. Mm-hmm. And another thing um, <laughs> one of us isn't, def- isn't weirdly fixated on <laughs> is that Ernest can't eat, Ernest shouldn't eat. Now, this <laughs> maybe seems insane. 
And, like, it doesn't make any sense to you. And you're kind of right. (laughs) But here's the thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, yes, we have permanently damaged ourselves by doing this series. But the movies do kind of take a noticeable downturn once Ernest eats on screen. Yes, also, (laughs) for the less crazy, more logical pitch of this, whenever there's, like, Ernest slapstick... A lot of the high points of the Ernest Slapstick in these movies have been a scenario where he has difficulty eating. This includes the pancake bit from Ernest in the Army. This includes Eggs Erroneous from Ernest Goes to Camp. Uh, this includes Ernest getting a lobster on his face from Ernest going to jail. Yeah. You know, these, these things are like peak comedy in these movies, and it has something to do with Ernest having difficulty eating. I don't know if that's correlated or not, but I noticed the correlation. It's infected my brain. And I'm going to push for it. I mean, they really do know that Ernest putting something in his mouth or getting something stuck on his face is funny. And they get a lot of mileage out of it in these movies. They get a lot of mileage. It's like like a thing. Like, he always puts something in his mouth in every movie. Yeah. So, Ernest... This is another one that takes a little bit of explanation. Ernest should be... I think this ties mostly back into it being a kid's movie. But Ernest should be chased... The hornier Ernest is, the worse the movie is. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just laughing because, like, we've been ridiculously horny on this podcast, <laughs> and, like, we're the ones, like, saying, no, Ernest can't be horny. It's, well, you know what? This podcast is bad, <laughs> and so are the movies where Ernest is horny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, the thing about Ernest, we've talked about this, he's a child at heart, and... In any Ernest movie where he has a love interest, it has never worked. No. This may may have to do with the fact that there's a lot of inerrant sexism in these movies that we are not going to ever, ever include in our final pitch because we're better than that. But, you know, just in general, we feel like this should be avoided because it really detracts from the Ernest character. Yeah. Well, I think that I, I do want to, like, get a little bit more specific before... I'm going to say before anybody says anything, like, there's someone that's going to complain to us about this, but... Um, actually. (laughs) Well, actually. You feel feel like the sniper red dots in our head. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, two of the movies that we like the most... I definitely think it's a ratio thing, like I said. It's like, the more horny is, the worse it is. It works fine, I think, for the most part, if Ernest has, like, a crush. There's the very subtle version in Goes to Camp, and there's the more overt version in Goes to Jail... But neither of those really progress beyond Ernest has kind of a, a puppy love crush on a woman. And even then, like, one of the things that they do with the the woman that he has a crush on and goes to jail was for a long time our low point of the Ernest franchise. So it is like, it's, it is something you have to be careful with in these movies because, you know, like you said, there's a lot of what I hope is like time born, you know, time period born sexism. Mm-hmm. I I also want to note, because uh, I've been thinking about this, the best version, and I think you're going to agree with me on this, of Ernest having some sort of puppy love relationship is actually an Ernest Goes to School, the an awful movie that no one should watch, mm-hmm. but where Ernest has his crush on this music teacher and he has this weird dream fantasy sequence that is actually pretty funny, and it doesn't really impact the plot that much, Does it mostly just is a side thing that kind of gets paid off, but not really, and... With that being said, like the reason it works more than any others is because the his crush is not really a character, and 
Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It doesn't really add to the movie. You know, uh, so I feel like even when it works, it's not, it's like a dead end. And I don't think we should pursue it for our pitch. Yes, I would agree with you. Had you not forgotten about the bisexual icon, Professor (laughs) Mellon, and his beautiful romance with Ernest and Ernest Rides Again. Okay, fine. Ernest can have a bromance, (laughs) but I think it should still be asexual. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a kid's movie. They don't need to, they don't need to get it on. Yeah. Even regardless of the gender of it, the gender or uh, tenured status of his love interest. Okay, let's move on, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's that pretty much for for that sort of category of like, you know, honorable mentions, sub essentials, if you want to call them that. I do want to throw in one more. Okay, sure. Hit me with it. We've talked about this before when you removed it as an essential in general. uh, Ernest being like a master of disguise and Ernest doing all these random characters and. A lot of them don't work. A lot of them are crazy and insane. But it really does showcase Jim Barney's potential. I mean, there there's a version of it where none of them work, like in Count Otto. I think that was a poor lesson to learn from that movie. Mm-hmm. But there is always one character in particular that both you and I, and I think a lot of people, have enjoyed greatly, which is Aunt Nelda. Ernest doing Aunt Nelda. That was one of the biggest surprises doing this, for me, doing this series. The was how much affection I have for the character of Aunt Nelda now. Like, before, when we started this, I was like, oh yeah, Ernest, sometimes he dresses up as this, like, aunt character, whatever. And now at the end, like, we (laughs) audibly cheered when Aunt Nelda showed up on screen in Dr. Otto, like, and kind of did the same thing in Ernest Goes to Africa. I was like, there is really something kind of special about this character. It's such, I think the thing that makes her stand out well, one is, for some reason, they regularly use her in a way that cuts off bad bits. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that makes her more endearing. Um, dude, the other thing is, like, a lot of Ernest's other characters are... Not that, I'm not saying that Aunt Nelda isn't a really broad, cartoony character. But, like, a lot of his other characters are very broad, where it's just like, oh, Ernest is, like, a fucking, you know, Australian outdoorsman. And that's, like, just the character. It's just like, he does a funny accent. That is the accent this character would have. Whereas Aunt Nelda is, like, a weirdly specific and developed bit. Where it's not just, like, oh, he's playing an elderly woman. She's this, like, snarky, jaded woman who has many dead sons and a terrible husband who is sometimes dead. Yeah, and also her neck is broken. (laughs) And she has a neck brace for some reason. She always has the neck brace. And she has, like, a very specific voice. It's, like, pro- besides Ernest, is probably his most well-developed character. Which is why we like it so much. And I think we may consider having Ernest do some disguise in this movie or having Ernest do some other character in this movie. But I think we should definitely, like, you know, keep in mind on Nelda. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like we should do our best to work Aunt Nelda into our movie because... Just out of respect for all that she's given us. <laughs> Real breath of fresh Nelda. Okay, uh, so I think that covers it. Now, I had an idea. You know, we're making this movie pitch, and we, you know, we're pitching whatever, and we know this movie's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So this gives us freedom to do whatever we want, but we should restrict ourselves. So okay. let's do a yin and yang. I think... For, like, the yin of, like, we can cast whoever we want. You know, you and I could kill ourselves going back and forth on who would play a great modern-day Ernest. (laughs) 
this is the part where you throw out one. Oh, uh, good Tom Hardy. Really, <laughs> not <laughs> really thick earnest. <laughs> sure, Tom Hardy, great. No, okay, here's the thing though. Here's the thing. I said that as a joke because I was wanted to imagine thick earnest. But think about Venom, and then tell me I'm wrong. Too horny, Nate. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just Venom on its own. Just bringing up Venom is too horny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say Evan Peters. They actually have him for Ace Ventura, and I think that's really great casting. But in general, we're going to cast Jim Varney as our Ernest. We're going to use Gaylord Sartain and Bill Berge as our two guys, probably. You know, we're going to bring people back from the past that we are not able to do if we were actually doing this in real life. But we should ground ourselves with a gang. Of we we have to put Andrew Yang in the middle. <laughs> God no, I hate that guy. Mayoral candidate Andrew Yang <laughs> no, has to be in our film. No, screw that guy. He doesn't even know that York is a real place. He doesn't know anything about England. Fuck that guy. That was so weird. Oh God. Um, and then he put that wait real fast though. He posted that picture where he was on Gay Street and was like LGBT rainbow flag emoji, and then got bullied into deleting it. Oh my god, I fucking hate that guy so much. He is such a fake. Yeah. Alright, whatever. Uh, getting me off topic. Uh, the Yang is that we need to ground ourselves in the budget of this movie. Okay. The way that we need to pitch this movie is with practical effects, is with really small locations, is with, you know, we can't film the Lord of the Rings Ernest movie. We need to pick... A, a sensible way of filming this movie, a sensible way of doing this movie, a sensible way of introducing things to this movie, because otherwise it won't feel like an earnest movie. Okay, yeah, I like that. I, I like that it's like, this has to be a movie they could have made. Yes. So, free reign on keeping original actors, but, you know, limited reign on what we can do. And I think that is fair. I Yeah, I like rounding ourselves in the, like, you know, this would still be basically the same earn the same crew, but it's like we're not, like you said, not limited by like what has happened to these people. But I also like, yeah, I I, I also think like bending of time and space should be. I, we can't put like Orson Welles in it, right? No, like we're not gonna do that. No, either. Like for example, let's say we bring in actors that would originally come in for like an Ernest movie, uh, mm. like around that time frame. We have to keep in mind that would cost money. Yeah. Uh, maybe we don't want to include uh, Emilio Estevez. Yes, maybe we don't want to include Emilio Estevez in this movie because that'd be weird. Uh, but maybe we do. Who knows? So we're just gonna keep that in mind as we move forward. I'm just quietly crossing off Ernest versus Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Proud of my notebook. <laughs> yeah, we can't do Ernest meets Darth Vader. I'm sorry. <sighs> hmm. But what about? No, never mind. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Okay. I like that. Those are good rules to, to follow by. I mean, that's also going to limit us. Because, like, if without those, we could just go bonkers and be like, the fights are earnest, just... I don't know. Yeah. The fights the Avengers. Like, we can't do that. Now that we've done that, we need to figure out what is the central topic of this movie. Now, through our podcast and our insane ideas, I have collected our joke earnest pitches of okay. titles. Now I'm nervous to hear <laughs> these, to hear my sins repeated to me. And I shall list them off and we shall decide if we're going to use one of them as our general topic for this movie or come up with something different. Are you ready, Nate? As ready as I'll ever be. Cool. 
So, remember that before I started this list, I talked about being grounded. Are you ready? Here we go. Start off, Ernest Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Fuck, dude, this is a funny podcast. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what I think that meant, though... We really came out the jump with the fucking gold. We were on fire immediately. That didn't necessarily mean just do Hamilton with Ernest. What what did that mean? It was like Ernest fights in the Revolutionary War? It would mean something along the lines of Ernest goes back in time. Like that would be the fantastical element. And Mm -hmm. he has to help Ben Franklin or something. I don't know. Is it still a musical? It could Does be. he rap? I would be down for an Ernest musical. One of our highest points in Ernest Goes to Camp is Ernest singing Off of God It's Raining. True. That's true. Okay, what's the next idea <laughs> we came up with? <laughs> Ernest Goes to Double Ernest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, That's a thing that makes sense. <laughs> to make this make more sense, we have different titles. We have a riff on uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Dr. Worrell and Mr. Ernest. And we also have... One. A reference to a movie that everybody knows and loves, Ernest Duplicity. <laughs> I guess it's so stupid. Why did we do this? Okay, so so that premise is that there's multiple Ernests. We kind of talked about that one a lot over the course of the podcast. At some points, it was just clones of Ernest. At some point, it was like Ernest personas break free from his body, and he has to deal with them. I. Dr. Otto made me less confident in that idea because they just did it and it was bad. Mm-hmm. But I still really like that one. Yeah, we'll consider it. Next one is maybe a bit more grounded. Also kind of riffs on the Ernest formulated idea that's happening in some of his movies. Secret Agent Ernest. Yeah, that's very straightforward. It's your Ernest James Bond parody. They they dan- weirdly dance around making that movie for a lot of this. I know the one they really wanted to make that they never made was like a pirate one. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like they also wanted to do this. It was like they kept hinting at this and they also kept kind of trying to make the Ernest Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, the Ernest Indiana Jones movie is overdone and we're not going to touch that. No, no, no. Because they were so fucking obsessed with it that they even like went out of their way to like be like, hey... One of our other Ernest movies, but after Jim Barney died, was another Indiana Jones ripoff. Wild. The wild that they kept trying to go to that well. So, Secret Agent Ernest, much like Secret Agent Cody Banks, has a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, unlike Secret Agent Cody Banks, we will try to fulfill that potential. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> I'm a big Muniz head, brap, but brap. that movie sucks. <laughs> Okay, cool. Let's ground ourselves in reality. Let's talk about Ernest Goes Bowling. <laughs> what? What? Why did we come up with that? What does that mean? I don't know. This is one I of mean, the ones re- that we it's, pitched. It's really straightforward, I guess. It's just a bowling, a bowling movie with Ernest. Why was that one of our ideas? I don't know. Okay. But uh, okay. it's on the list. <laughs> Sure, man. Okay. I mean, that seems like that could be one that existed. If I didn't know what all the Ernest movies were and you told me that was one of them, I would believe you. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So that's the most grounded movie. We could have a lot of physical comedy out of that. I like that idea. It's insane (laughs) that that's like something that fits in with Ernest Hamilton. But yeah, totally. Uh, So going from that low, let's go back to a high to Ernest the Cowboy Inside. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. Okay. 
Man, that really sounds like it's nothing. What is... So that was... What? Okay. So in fucking... Ernest goes to school, right? There's a... One of the many inexplicable things that happens in that movie is he gets directions from a... Guess a cowboy ghost. And this was like a movie where... Like, it's like Fight Club, but with Ernest and a cowboy instead of Ed Norton and Brad Pitt, right? Was that the idea for this movie? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, also, uh, it really builds up for Ernest constantly, like, being obsessed with John Wayne and, like, all yeah. his John Wayne impressions. And the idea that uh, Ernest is a cowboy in general, and he could just go to, like, an old western town as a janitor, and that could be the movie. Mm-hmm. But it has this really pretentious-sounding title. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Cool. Ready for the next one? Sure. Ernest Warren. No, I can't. <laughs> Hold on. I'll do okay, it. Okay, collect yourself and tell me what it is. Okay. Ernest Wide Shut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That seems like, uh, right off the bat, you know how we were like, these are kids' movies? That probably <laughs> disqualifies that idea. We should be arrested. <laughs> Why did we say that? <laughs> yes, we. Definitely not me. We. <laughs> um, I don't... I mean, that would be funny. I don't think that's a... That's not a great idea. I don't think we should do that one. <laughs> no, but I like the idea of the poster of Ernest just covering his eyes. It's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got two more. Enter the Ernest first. Pretty self-explanatory. That's... Yeah, that was kind of like our first idea yeah. that we had, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, Spider-Verse, you got all the different Spider-Mans, Ernest, Ernest, you got all the different Ernests. This would be a way to kind of... I, the thing that I like the least about this idea is the way that it kind of too clearly acknowledges that Jim Varney died. Because, like, it, you know, it would have presumably have him selecting a successor Ernest. I mean, that could also be kind of, like, in a heartwarming way, great. Mm-hmm. Anyone can wear the hat. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> really bringing me down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like similar to Ernest Goose to Double Ernest, where it's like we have a bunch of Ernest characters in the movie, and maybe one of them's bad, you know, whatever. Uh, but like, that happens. And mm. it would be pretty cool. Uh, Enter the Spider-Verse is the best superhero movie. And Ernest is kind of a superhero. Mm. It's weird, though, because you said... I think you might want to take it out again, because you said, um, except for Ang Lee's Hulk, like, really quietly. Like, I don't even think the mics picked it up. Anyway, moving on. We got, finally, Ernest Libre. I mean, this is a good one, right? Ernest Wrestling. Like, I love Nacho Libre. I don't know how you feel about that movie. I think it's great. I like that movie. But, like, in general, like, Ernest, throughout the movies, has canonically loved wrestling. He's a wrestling fan. Yeah, that is, like, an established part about his character. He likes WWE professional wrestling. And he has uh, wrestled in Goes to School, and it's one of the best bits. This is, like, a ton of room for slapstick comedy. A ton of room for him to do different characters, because he can do different personas. We can see him try and fail to be a heel. We can put him in different masks. We can have all sorts of wacky characters who are the wrestlers. There's great room to have, like, to basically do, um, you know, the greatest wrestling story of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. We can have a Vince McMahon character be our antagonist and hater. Or we can have him be the antagonist and have, like, a heel wrestler that's the hater. Like, this one feel it is... Like, this would almost just be the easiest for us to come up with a whole-ass movie around, I think. Yeah, which is why we should challenge ourselves with Ernest Goes Bowling. (laughs) 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 
See, I've come around. Our podcast is great and not dumb, and yeah, everybody should listen to it. It's a good podcast. Now that we're done this segment where we just laugh at our own jokes. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any more uh, saved earnest pitches, unless I'm forgetting any, Nate. Uh, not that I can think of, but I wanted to get some, some stuff that just is, like, the natural extension of how the Ernest movies works. Uh, the big thing, like, I think people are going to almost be getting annoyed at, that we're so deep into this episode that we haven't mentioned it. Is like, the uh, most obvious place to go to fucking every franchise, every joke about a long-running franchise does this. There's, Ernest Goes to Space, right? Mm-hmm. That was previously pitched idea, kind of. Uh, Ernest Spaced Out was a movie that they might have done that uh, they had plans for before Jim Varney unfortunately passed away. Now, I think the thing with this is, one, it's very easy to come up with. I, it would, I think it would actually be harder to plot out than Ernest Libre. But the other thing is, like, Rocket Man exists. Mm-hmm. You can watch Rocket Man. And I loved that movie when I was a kid. He gets all blue from the toilet mm-hmm. in the space station. Genius. Now... Very Ernest type of move, that particularly, too. I might be wrong. But isn't the uh, recent biopic that came out about Elton John also called Rocket Man? Yeah, it is. I never thought about that. So, to be clear, we're not talking about that Rocket Man. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, the comedy about an astronaut. Rocket Man's already do- been done, and, you know, that's kind of like the Ernest Space movie. And in general, I feel like, again, as you mentioned, it'd be harder to pitch that movie and work within our realistic budget to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really comfortable with not going towards that realm of ideas, even though I understand it would be a popular suggestion. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, every for every light there is a shadow. I really hope you're not talking about Ernest White Shadow Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Ernest Goes to the Center of the Earth, which is that uh, equal yeah. opposite of Ernest, which would just, I also think would be one of those things that's too expensive and also, you know, there's Journey to the Center. You could watch movies about going to the center of the Earth. We don't need Ernest to go there. Yeah, also, the most recent Journey to the Center of the Earth movie sucked butts, so I definitely don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in the middle, between the two of these, the perfect balance, which also calls back to the past, but also to the future, is Ernest Goes to Space Camp. Oh, I thought you were going to pitch Earthnest? Earthnest? <laughs> I don't know what that would be, but you started with space, and then you went to the center of the Earth, and then you're meeting in the middle. I was like, what is Earthnest? What is this? Well, <laughs> What's I'm happening? Well, I write down Earthnest. Uh, we can figure out what that means later. No, I was pitching <laughs> Ernest Goes to Space Camp. Oh. Uh, okay, I mean, I'll put it on the list if that's what you want to do. I'm just saying that that's there. You just want him to be back at camp again. I'm just saying. They promised it with Ernest in the Army, and it wasn't true. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, and then I think one of the things we should avoid that does comes up naturally, like, Okay, so here's the thing with Ernest movies, right? Like, the most common title formulation for an Ernest movie is Ernest Goes to Blank. Yeah. So it's like, that's why we're like, Ernest Goes to Space, Ernest Goes to Space, you know, like, all that. I think one thing we want to avoid, even though there's a plethora of them, is Ernest Goes to Another Country. Because the only time they did that, uh, well, one, it was a continent, and two, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there might be some comedy potential in, like, Ernest Does Euro Trip. Okay. You know, like, but that's, like, the only one. Like, anything in Europe is probably fine. We should never, ever go to anything outside of Europe with Ernest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not really a, st- a strength of this franchise. Uh, we got. I think these are other ones that are sort of like... Well, Ernest goes to the past is an idea of various time periods. That's a thing we could do. And that's kind of covered by Ernest Hamilton. <laughs> so kind of covered by Ernest the Cowboy Inside. Yeah, but there's also, like, we could have, like, a caveman Ernest movie. Encino Ernest? <laughs> Encerno 
man. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Ernest goes to the future. There's various genres of future. You could have like a shiny, fun Jetsons future. You could have Ernest go to like a dystopian cyberpunk world. Yeah, that also might be covered in Enter the Ernestverse. Yeah. So I think those are the basics. I can't really... Well, and then the other thing with Goes too is like two of our favorite movies. I think your favorite and my favorite. Your favorite is Ernest Goes to Camp, right? No, it's Slam Dunk, but Ernest Goes to Camp is a close second. Okay. Well, my favorite is Ernest Goes to Jail. So it's like we, we do highly rate the movies where it's like Ernest Goes to, and then it's just like a place or like an institution. But then much lower on our list is Ernest Goes to School, which is the same thing. But obviously there's just like a ton of places we could send them. Ernest Goes to the Pentagon, Ernest Goes to the United Nations, Ernest Goes to the DMV, Ernest Goes to the Sewer, Ernest Goes to... Hold on, hold on. Ernest Goes to the DMV? Yeah, I mean, that's just an idea we could have. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, it does, but I'm just saying. Um, so there's those, but like that's just like a wide open field of like anything. Can I, uh, I, I just want to suggest something extraordinarily dumb, but I mm-hmm. love it. Just go for it. Ernest goes to the internet. Okay, I think this actually was one we kind of talked about briefly. It might not have been on mic, but like Ernest in cyberspace, Ernest goes to the internet. Like those, that's a solid idea. Wreck it, Ernest. <laughs> Ernest wrecks the internet. Yeah, uh, I never saw that. I, I saw the first. No, one but I've it. had the plot excruciatingly detailed to me by my friend Tyler the football. Oh yeah, I think I was there for that. I don't remember that. <laughs> But I don't remember anything that he said. Sorry, Tyler. Me neither. I think I spaced out. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> I used to... This is totally unrelated. When I, I was like a little kid, I was... Um, that should be no surprise to people who've listened to me talk on this podcast. I was a, a real nervous scaredy cat, and I could not watch horror movies. So for a long time, I would not watch horror movies, and I would get my friends to explain the plots of them to me afterwards. The one that I remember distinctly is riding on the bus and having someone explain everything that happened in the movie Darkness Falls, the, like, horror movie about the Tooth Fairy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's a thing about me. That's a, so just a little bit more compulsive oversharing from your favorite co-host, Nate. Now, speaking of horror movies, they did Ernest Scared Stupid. I don't think we need to do Yeah, I don't think movie. we need to touch that. I don't think we need to touch that genre at all. Uh, cool. Let's narrow this down somehow and figure out what we're going to do and just pick one now do you think we could do that organically or do you want to throw some chaos on the mix and have somebody pick it for us well i'll tell you right now though the one that i'm like gravitating to the most is Ernest libre like i just that just feels like the cleanest to me it's the one that i'm having the most fun thinking about ideas for okay so like i would say my vote would be Ernest libre cool i have two you know what? Oh, I have three that I'm leaning towards, so I'm going to have a little bit more difficulty. But I love the idea of putting Ernest in, like, an Old West saloon. I like the idea of Ernest the Cowboy inside. Mm-hmm. I like the general nature of Ernest goes bowling, because what the fuck is that? I want to figure it out. And then also, I like Ernest goes to the internet. I think that's fun. I think that's a cool idea of, like, Ernest using boomer logic on computers. Okay, but let, can I try and sell you on Ernest Libre? No, no, no. I, I'm going to pick one of these, and I think uh, you and I are going to have to duke it out. Okay. I... Fuck it. I'm going to pick Ernest Goes Bowling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, sure. Okay, so what are... Well, how are we going to settle this, then? Well, here's the thing. We are contractually 
obliged to bring back a guest that we didn't use before, and he's going to have his revenge. I bring you, drumroll please, Wheel Patrick Harris. It's great to have you Welcome back, Wheel. on the show again, Wheel. I'm really excited for that movie you're going to be in where Nicolas Cage plays himself. I That sounds amazing. Yes, we here at this podcast love Nick Cage. But also, uh, we remember that you were good in other stuff, and we want to apologize for snubbing you. And hopefully you'll do us justice by determining whether or not we should do Ernest Libre or Ernest Goes Bowling as our final pitch. I'm going to be so sad if (laughs) if he picks your thing. But it's fine. I'll power through it. I will learn to love Ernest Goes Bowling if that's what it takes. Okay. What are you thinking, Leo? Okay. He said Ernest Goes Bowling. (laughs) Can I just, before though, before, can I just say, like, I feel like it would have been so clean. Like, Ernest just has some menial job. He goes to the, like, you know, you do it like an old school wrestling promotion where they're at, like, a stadium every night. Like, they have, like, a home base. He goes every every night or every week to see the wrestling. And he admires one of the wrestlers. And he wants to be the champion. Like, that's his ambition. And the hater is the guy who runs the promotion. And Chuck and Bobby could be, like, a jobber tag team. And as, like, a callback to Eggs Erroneous, they're trying to develop, like, the ultimate finishing move. And they do it and teach it to Ernest at the end of the movie. And he uses it to beat the heel champ. But all that's lost, like tears and rain. And we must instead turn toward our new master, Ernest Goes Bowling. A movie where Ernest goes bowling. Okay. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm moving forward. The, the me that loved Ernest Libre is dead. And now a bold <laughs> new Nate stands before you, glistening in pink like a freshly born baby. It's fine. Yeah, we're doing Ernest Goes Bowling. It's fine. Is the other thing, though? The other thing? You know how you were like, oh, like putting other people in it, like they would cost money? You know what celebrities would be pretty cheap to get into a movie? Retired wrestlers. Bo- or bowling celebrities? You know who could have very easily been in an Ernest Wrestling movie? Who? Rowdy Roddy Piper. It would have worked for the time period. He would have been alive. And he would have been willing to wheel. do it. We could ignore Wheel. Fuck Wheel. Let's no. do it. No. I want people to know what we've lost. I want them to feel the pain in their hearts that I'm feeling. And I want them to deal with that as we move forward into developing the plot for Ernest Goes Bowling. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, Thank you, Patrick Herrick, for your sane advice. Now get out before Nate kills you. Okay. So I think the best place to start here, right, if we're coming up with a plot, is to start with one of our essentials, which is that Ernest needs to have an ambition. We've seen time and again that the movie doesn't really work unless he has that. And that is sort of the foundation of the plot. So what does Ernest want that involves bowling? Okay, well, I think we start off with Ernest being a janitor or some kind of maintenance man at the bowling place. Like, he's the guy behind the scenes that does, like, cleaning up the pins and whatnot and setting them up, ready to go. Maybe he's, like, a craftsman, and part of his, like, crafts is that he creates some dumb machine to make it easier for the pins to be set up, right? Sure, that works totally. Let's, the ambition could be very similar to Ernest Slam Dunk, where there's a professional bowling team that goes there like every weekend. Maybe they're a bunch of dads, or maybe they're a bunch of uh, kids, and they're going up in bowling championships against somebody, and Ernest just really wants to be a part of the team. Okay, here's what I was thinking. Maybe he wants something that is un- largely actually unrelated to bowling. 
and he has to win the bowling championship in order to get it. Like, either to pay for this thing that he wants with the prize, or that he literally wants the prize because it's something he likes. Or he could want to be the manager of the bowling alley, because he has all these wonderful, like, craftsman ideas and stuff, and he can do so by hosting a, like, he could prove his worth by hosting a, like, night in, like, you know, like a lockout sort of thing, uh, and it just going off the rails from there. So so in that idea, it's not a movie, it's not like a sports movie where Ernest is bowling, it's just kind of a... A workplace comedy that is set in a bowling alley. Yeah, that could work. And then we could have like the different teams. And the two guys could be like people on a team or what have you. Or his like one of the two guys could be like managing like the food and one of the, the other ones like managing something else, like laser tag nearby. Or the haters managing laser tag. The hater managing laser tag is good. I think the two guys, I think Chuck and Bobby should be the guys who work at the shoe rental. Ooh, yeah, okay, that's good. And they're very, like, they're very serious about it. And you can bring in back that thing from, like, Gus to Jail and stuff where, like, Bobby is, like, really intense. And he's, like, very, he's, like, he's, like, a shoe cop. He's, like, very serious about getting the shoes back and whatnot. And Chuck has to cover for him. Also, he, like, is very serious about, like, measuring people's feet. Yes. Okay. So, let's figure out what, before we get too far, let's figure out what Ernest's job is. He has to have a job. We've learned that he can't just be this rambling old coot that gets involved in stuff because that doesn't work. I thought we decided he was going to be the janitor of the bowling alley. I know. I'm just I'm just like I'm writing it down. So like. Oh, okay. I also wrote it. I already wrote it down. Okay. It seems like we were just like having freeform talking, but I want to like nail shit down. So Ernest is janitor at bowling alley. And I've also written down Chuck and Bobby work at the shoe rental. Got that. And he wants, we have to decide what he wants to be. Does he want to be the manager or does he want to be on a team? Like, I feel like the workplace comedy bit is better because we're not just ripping off a slam dunk. That's true. But I do also like the idea that it's like Ernest wants to buy a boat or something. And he's just like, I have to win the bowling tournament so I can get this beautiful boat. And it's like a really crummy looking boat. Okay. But he's just enamored of it. Maybe he wants to be a fisherman. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Maybe, like, he's, like, hanging out with, like, a group of bowling dads, and they're all talking about fishing off their yacht or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to be a dad, and he needs the money from the, the, to um, pay the adoption bills. <laughs> no, I do, like the, I do like the idea that he wants to run the bowling... So maybe the guy who runs the bowling alley is, like, old, and, like, he's going to retire, and they don't have enough money, and, like... It, when he retires, the bowling alley is going to have to get shut down. Mm. So Ernest is trying to come up with a plan to boost the business because he cuts a deal with the guy who owns it where it's like, look, I know you love the bowling alley, Ernest, but like, I can't just give it to you if I think it's going to fail. Like, I mm-hmm. I would rather just have it die, you know, with me. Die, I don't think he would say it like that. That's very extreme. But he's like, I'd rather just see it end, you know, under my rule than like, have you and it drag each other down. So you have to prove to me that you can not just run the business, but that you can grow the business. Mm-hmm. And if you do that before I retire, then I'll hand the bowling alley over to you. Okay. I like that idea. And then, I mean, we could also throw in some off objective of him winning money to get the, a boat that he wants. I don't need to have the boat thing. I don't think, like, if he's trying to run the bowling alley, he doesn't also have to be in a tournament. Okay, I'm just... I'm just saying, like, we could try to work in both ideas. And so I think with this, if, if we do the thing where he's trying to grow the Bowling Alley's business, 
then I think, like, mm -hmm. we can have the hater be someone inside of the bowling alley. I really like the laser tag idea. Yeah, that that's fine. Or maybe that's just a place that... Okay, so maybe the hater and the... If this is an instance in which the hater and the antagonist are one and the same. And the laser tag is not part of the bowling alley, it's just next door. And he wants the bowling alley to go out of business so he can buy it and expand into it. Okay. And open up, like, a, a bigger laser tag arena. And it's like, we can, even though I don't agree with this, we could play up, like, ooh, laser tag's scary because it's, like, violent. And it's like... Yeah. These kids are rowdy hooligans, and bowling is peaceful and beautiful. <laughs> so dumb. I love it. Okay, laser tag antagonist. Laser antagonist. <laughs> to expand over Bowling Alley. Yeah. So he wants to make everything go bad. And I'm I'm having a real like vision for this character now. Wh okay, cool. I want him to be like I really want to lean into like laser tag is futuristic and have this guy be like a total like dork, but he's like he's dressed up like a character from the Matrix and he's got like big tall boots and little tiny sunglasses, but he's like a total dork. He's also eating dippin' dots because of the ice cream in the future, and that's what you'd have in the future. <laughs> I only eat Dippin' Dots, Ernest. Look at you with your caveman ice cream. And we can have, like, a comedy sequence where Ernest eats an ice cream cone and he makes fun of him. Definitely. Or it fails to eat an ice cream cone in front of him. Okay. Well, I feel like we should still have a hater that isn't the antagonist. And I like the idea of the hater being the guy that runs the food, like, area. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like an anti-Exeronius. Where, like, this guy just, like, don't get in my, in my way of doing what I do best, and he makes, like, fucking dollar hot dogs. Yeah. He's like, the nacho cheese is to be at a specific temperature. Yeah. And your shenanigans are, are fucking up the air pressure. Exactly. In the uh, bowling alley, Ernest. Like, eventually, okay. they'll get along, but it, he's gonna be, like, constantly, like, saying, Ernest, don't fuck it up. You suck. Okay, so, like, a really fastidious concession stand operator. Can this be Linda Cash? Yes, this could definitely be Linda Cash. Okay, cool. Then I, I, I like that. She's, like, kind of channeling her Mrs. Mellon character, in a sense. Yeah. Almost like a combination between her between Mrs. Mellon and her character from Ghost of School. Yes, but she'll have a better character arc for both of those, because we're going to treat her with respect and dignity, and not just, like, a leggy waitress. <laughs> yes. Okay. I like that. So the hater is, is, the, is Linda Cash running the concession stand, and she... Doesn't like earnest shenanigans. And she's very traditional about serving hot dogs. Yes. And nachos. Yes. She wants everything to be safe and in regulation. Mm -hmm. His friends are Chuck and Bobby, work at the shoe canner, and the antagonist is the cyberpunk dork who runs the laser tag place next door, who wants to expand into it. Ernest's goal is to raise money to take over the bowling alley. This seems like a pretty solid base for a movie going forward, right? Yeah, I definitely think so. We really nailed everything down, but I think we're missing something super important. Rimshot? Yeah, definitely rimshot, but also a fantastical element. Yes, you're right. We are missing a fantastical element. This is somehow too grounded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is our fantastical element? Obviously, like with stuff like this, I think the easiest thing is you just go, there's a ghost there. Just put a ghost in. I mean, that could work. What if there's time travel? Okay. What if Ernest has to run? If Ernest doesn't fix the bowling alley, then something goes horribly wrong in the future. And we have another character who's supporting Ernest, who is a time traveler from the future, who's invested in Ernest succeeding, but is also like frustrated with how in incompetent and silly Ernest is. Maybe it's Ernest's descendant. Oh, I love this. 
because hear me out. This factors into the laser tag versus bowling, you yes. know, hardcore versus peaceful. Where if laser tag wins, we get a dystopian future. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, right? The laser tag <laughs> wins, and we it's like, we get a violent future with like people, like it. The laser tag escalates into laser war. Yeah, and the totally. only way to save it is to stop it here at the epicenter, which is saving the bowling alley. <laughs> And he has to do yes. so because Ernest will fail on his own. So he goes back in yes. time to help out Ernest. And even though he's like upset, so they'll eventually develop a bromance, right? But he starts off being upset because Ernest is Ernest. Yeah. We could also then have, we have two haters, I think. we could Because we can actually make the actual antagonist be another time traveler. Who's like, he's like the fucking, he's like the leader of the mutants from Dark Knight Returns. And he goes back in time to team up with the laser tag guy. Okay, but if because we do that... Because he wants the violent future. If we do that, and so the, it should be played by the same guy who plays the laser tag guy. But, like, with, like, a big muscle suit on? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so there's two warring... Two time travelers who represent warring visions for the future who come to the past to have their ultimate ideological conflict in, on, in the battlefield of this bowling alley. Yep, we've turned Ernest Goes Bowling into Ernest Goes Bowling to the Future. <laughs> We're geniuses. We're so smart. Okay. Cool. I I mean, calling that for the fucking title, though, right? What? Oh, Ernest Goes Bowling to the Future? Yeah. I think it should just be Ernest. It'll be Ernest Goes Bowling. I think it should be totally misleading. Well, Ernest Slam Dunk like, does Slam Dunk Ernest. God versus yes. the Devil in it. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. We love Slam Dunk Ernest. One of the things we love is the fact, like... I literally called it out in my description for when I uploaded the podcast to Anchor. Like, you cannot, you will look at that and you will just conclude that that is a movie about Ernest playing basketball. And you will understand, like, 4% of what the actual movie is. So this is what we're doing with Ernest Goes Bowling. <laughs> yeah, Ernest Goes Bowling, you're like, yeah, okay, it's the Ernest Bully movie. And then somebody sidles up to you and go, you know, that's like actually about, like, the f- time travel and Ernest fights a guy from the future. <laughs> Yeah, no, this rules. This is great. It's like, it's like, Ernest goes bowling, but also it's like this fucking Marvel 2099 future encroaches on it. <laughs> okay. I I really like this now. Cool. Right, I can't so... believe we combine Ernest Goes to the Future with Ernest Goes Bowling, but this is great. <laughs> I know, it's beautiful, what we've done here. Okay. Alright, so we have the basis for this movie, right? Now we have to kind of pace it out. Right? Yeah. So I think we need to just have like a basic what's our starting point? What's our like middle point? Like the basic kind of like film conversation of like how this happens. Do you want to go through um we could go through seven point plot structure. I feel like that would be a pretty easy thing for us to do. Yeah, I feel like that's like the easiest route to do this and it will also just help our listeners out. Mm-hmm. So we start with the hook, which is right. your starting point and it's basically the opposite of the resolution, which is the end of the movie. So our hook is we we kind of already established that. We've got sort of got two hooks, right? Mm-hmm. We've got this moment where Ernest, like we, I assume we open the movie with some wacky hijinks in the bowling alley. We have a little bit of a heartwarming m- moment where, like, some kids are having like a birthday or something, and Ernest does something nice for them, and it's like, oh, this bowling, like, for as goofy as he is, this bowling alley is like a nice place. Mm-hmm. And then we establish the mean laser tag guy. Maybe those kids that Ernest is helping in the opening sequence get bullied by some kids coming out of the laser tag place. Mm-hmm. And then we have the dude pull the owner pull Ernest aside and explain that he's going to retire and this place is going to shut down, and he makes the deal with Ernest. I guess that would actually be pl- our plot turn. And yeah. then we you're, you're we, jumping. 
Yes. Okay, so I saw our hook is the bowling alley is a nice place and the laser tag is not a nice place and they exist in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. So then our first plot turn is the guy explains that the bowling alley is going to get shut down. But parallel to that, I think we have, we like, you know, like it's like, Ernest, I'm, you ha- if you can't grow the bowling alley business, I'm going to shut it down. Cut to bad future. And mm-hmm. we see the two guys traveling back in time and establish that, like, you know, they're in conflict and their conflict ties into the bowling alley. Yes. So that's our plot turn. Then those two guys show up in their mm-hmm. in their separate locations and they meet with their their dudes. And the, the evil guy, obviously, he's more overtly threatening and he kind of bullies the laser tag guy into being on his side. Whereas the good guy kind of, like, plays it off like, oh, I'm a new, I'm just a new hire. But he's weirdly interested in Ernest and in the bowling alley. Are we going to do the thing where this guy is a descendant of Ernest? I like that idea. Because uh, I also... This is dumb. And this shouldn't be a factor. But I like the idea that this guy has to go back in time to pay for the sins of his forefathers. Yeah. Does he get erased from time when Ernest succeeds? Mm, no. It's like the um, it's like the Back to the Future thing. Where like the timeline just rearranges itself and he goes back and everything's great now okay yeah yeah that's good he yeah so we get to at the very end of the movie we see him travel back to the future and And it's like bright and sunny and there's definitely definitely an old ass Ernest who somehow lived to this timeline who's like good job i I knew you would do it you know what i mean so that's how the movie fucking ends when we introduce him he's standing at the grave of Ernest. Dark. I, I feel like we have to do that. That feels very like you'll pay for your sins of your forefathers, God sending Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Like we see this like cyberpunk, like future trunks. We see future trunks, but he's he's wearing an Ernest hat, standing at the grave of Ernest P. Worrell the first. Um and then in the and then he goes back to the future and like that graveyard's a park, and we see like old hunched over Ernest who's dressed exactly the same, but he has a really long white beard. And he's, like, playing with kids in the park. Can I um, also put a dumb joke into this? Sure. His name... So, you said Ernest P. World the first. So, mm-hmm. his descendant's name is Ernest. Obviously. Yes, exactly. That's but exactly what I was thinking. when he goes to apply for the job, mm-hmm. he comes up with a, a worse name. And he calls mm-hmm. himself Nernest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, actually, that's very funny. I think it should be less obvious because I want to have the thing at the end... Like, there'd be a reveal at the end where he says his name. He's like, where he's like, wait, so that wasn't your real name? You're from the future? And he's like, well, what's your name? And he goes, my name's Ernest P. Worrell V. I like that. But okay, I also actually, like the idea of, like, well... No, it should still be. I said it out loud, and I was like, actually, it's funnier if his name is almost Ernest, and Ernest is still surprised. And he's also treating it like it's a reveal. Yeah, that's that's what I was just about to pitch, where it's like... Well, Ernest, if you want to work here with us, I guess you have to. <laughs> okay, so yeah. All right, so ner- ner- he's Ernest P. Worrell the fifth or whatever, but his pseudonym is Nernest D. Borrell. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. No, great, our great. podcast is stupid again. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, we got dumb again. No, but I think we have to do that. Okay, so, yeah, so the plot point turn one is the event that sets your story in motion and moves you from the beginning to the midpoint. It introduces the conflict and your character's world changes. This is basically when the hero sets out on his or her journey. So we did that. 
The next thing is the pinch point. And this I hope is where you're we taking exclusive pressure. notes because I'm like not keeping up. Uh, let me. Okay. So, so what we have so far is the start of the movie. The hook is we establish the bowling alley is a good, positive place, and that the laser tag place is a bad, negative, violent place. Our plot turn one is we introduce that the bowling alley is going to be shut down unless Ernest can grow the business and take over the reins. But we also introduce the other element, which is that that conflict determines the nature of the future. And there are two battling time travelers who are coming back to the past to ensure one or the other future takes place. Okay. The next thing in a seven point plot structure would be the pinch point. Pinch, pinch point, point one. This is where we apply pressure, and this is often used to introduce an antagonist. So I think this would be the first time where those two characters, Future Guy and Laser Tag Guy, do something to deliberately fuck up Ernest. Okay. So Future Guys turn the screws. They would... Hmm, what would they do? They would... I think Ernest should do something that's starting to help the bowling alley, and then they sabotage it. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. They, in an effort to like pretend like they're helping, put all the effort of like Ernest and the bowling alley into this lockout event where it's like you get one chance, one shot, one opportunity like Eminem to prove the bowling alley's worth or it'll be shut down for good. And if the lockout event doesn't go well, the community won't give a shit if the bowling alley is destroyed and shut down. But if it does go well, the community will care, but they don't think it'll go well because it's Ernest who's going to run it. I think you're getting ahead of yourself. I think we need to build to that. Because okay. the the rest so it goes if we're following a traditional seven point plot structure, because pinch point one, midpoint, pinch point two. I feel like that's pinch point two. Okay, then what's pinch point one? I'm saying Ernest should do something where it's like he should come up with his first idea, execute it, and get that sabotaged, and then he has to do the lockdown. That puts more stakes on it because it's like he's already tried and kind of failed once, mm-hmm. and it's like this needs to succeed. Okay, so. Maybe he gets, like, an ice cream machine, and they sabotage it, and it shoots ice cream all over the bowling alley, and he slips sliding around. Something like that. Not necessarily that. What could you do to improve a bowling alley to make more people want to go to it? I have an idea now. Go for it. Go for it. He gets an arcade machine, and the Mm -hmm. laser tag guy and the future guy sabotage it with future technology, and it, like... Goes on a ra- the arcade machine goes on a rampage. It starts like shooting quarters out of it and like blasting actual lasers out of the front of it. And Ernest and Nernest have to have a slapstick action sequence in the bowling alley where they fight the arcade machine and it wrecks the bowling alley. And now it's like we don't. We also have to raise funds to help fix the bowling alley. Mm, that's good. Ruin Ernest arcade idea. Or it's like all the money that the arcade machine raised, instead of going back into the bowling alley, they now have to spend it to pay to fix the damage caused by the arcade machine. So they're back at square one, but they have less time. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I don't know how this would work, but I have this idea in my mind of Ernest getting stuck in an arcade machine, and then you have this pixelated Ernest for a second. That can totally happen in this sequence. Ernest saves him, and then just is revealed that Ernest is like, you know, face up against the glass. But for some reason, it translates to a pixelated Ernest. I think that's really good, and I really like that. Cool. Uh, make a note of that. Okay. So the first pinch point is to ruin Ernest's arcade idea. Yes. Cool. What we got next? So then midpoint is your character moves from reaction to action. I think we already established this. This is them realizing that all of the funds they've raised have been eaten up by repairs, 
mm-hmm. and the clock is ticking down and they have to do this big lockdown event in order to or lock in event to raise all the money and raise the like reputation of the bowling alley and that becomes that's going to be like their final stand cool uh let's well i don't know if this is too rippy offy uh a word that i just made up derivative i think is the word you're looking for yeah <laughs> derivative i'm i word good anyway i wonder if it's the idea of nernest having a flyer for the lock-in from the future mm, okay yeah yeah what I do you think that. about that yes like, like he, cool. like he didn't want to like do an it, artifact. right? Because like that, that happened and it failed, and that's what mm-hmm. destroyed the bullion. That's why he pushes Ernest into doing the arcade stuff, and then the arcade stuff fails, and then Ernest is like out of ideas, and he needs to do something soon, and then Ernest like, like sadly pulls up like, well, we could do the lock-in. Yeah. Okay. So the arcade machine is Ernest's idea. So he's like feels totally defeated when it yeah. goes wrong. We pretty much have the midpoint. Okay. I so there's one thing that I wanted to say to sort of going back to the beginning. So the first I remembered that the first place that I had seen this seven point plot structure outlined, they also talked about this thing called the Snow Monster Prologue, which great name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Snow Monster Prologue is a reference to Game of Thrones, whereas in the, both the show and the book, it kind of starts with these characters that are not the main characters encountering what will eventually become the main threat of the series, which is the the White Walkers, the titular snow monsters. Mm-hmm. And it's like a cold open that has sort of a little bit of action to it, a little bit of mystery that draws you in. I think the movie should start with the time travelers. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, we're going back to the place, the most important place where this all started. Then smash cut to Bowling Alley. Then we have what we said was going to be the introduction with Ernest having wacky hijinks in the bowling alley. Yes, I agree. Um, I think, like, the opening should be, like, Nernest, who, the person who will eventually be Nernest, at the gravesite. The who will become Nernest. <laughs> <laughs> who, at the gravesite of Ernest the First, and he, like, says to himself, I'm gonna fix it, and then goes back in time with his device. And then we have the dude who will eventually be the laser tag guy, who's like, no, you're not gonna fix it. And then, like, he's, like, watching from a distance. And then he plans to follow or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And that's how uh, it starts. Yeah. Like it's like it's a flash cut to like I don't know, twenty thirty five. Yeah, this also gets into a thing that we didn't talk about as being essential, but was something we liked, which is like the wild opening of Ernest Scared Stupid, where it's set in colonial times and Jim Varney is playing like a fire and brimstone pe- preacher that's fighting a troll. Yeah. Or, like, the opening to Ernest Gets Camp. Like, it's, like, the same sort of thing. So we, we get that. It's kind of the reverse of both of those, because it takes place in the future. Yeah, and just to be clear, we're not going to have Jim Varney play Ernest. No, 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 no. Uh, we need to have, like, a different character play Ernest. Maybe, like, a Michael Sarah type or some sort. See, I was imagining him being, like, more intense. Like, more of, like, a, a... Hmm, I don't know who I would have in mind specifically. But, yeah, definitely not Jim Varney. Yeah. So after the midpoint comes pinch point two, where okay. more pressure is applied, your story takes the ultimate dive, your character is at his or her darkest moment. Here's my idea, which is that Nernest becomes too nervous. Because the lockdown failed already. Yeah, and he just goes to fight future guy and laser tag guy, and mm-hmm. Ernest has to go save him, and he's all beat up. But I think also like this is like where Nernest finds out that he was followed. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that like laser tech guy is getting help from his future descendant or whatever. 
Yeah, so he like so he's he's getting nervous about the laser tag thing. He sees future guy creeping around next door. He goes to the laser tag arena to fight him. We can have a cool sequence inside the laser tag arena with the lights and stuff, which will look cool, but also be very cheap because it will just we could just have like it be styrofoam and like strobe lights and fluorescent paint. Yeah. Also, uh, I love the idea of like, oh, you can fight me, but first you have to find me in my <laughs> own turf. Yes. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> And then Ernest, I think Ernest has to come in and save him. Or he just shows up back to Ernest, like, beat up, like, oh, it didn't work. And Ernest, like, nurses him back to health. Yeah, at the at the food stand, where he gets constantly yeah. berated by Linda Cash. Yeah, and it's like, now we really have to have the lock-in work, because it's like, you even just went to fight them and it didn't happen. And it's also, like, a lesson, right? Yeah. Like, he tried to answer violence with violence. You can't do that, no. The only answer is bowling. That's the ideology that this movie has for some reason. It works. Cool. Okay. Uh, so that's pinch point two. Uh, what's next? Next is uh, plot turn two. Uh, plot turn this two. is where you move from the midpoint to the end, the resolution. Your character gets or realizes he, uh, they have the final piece of information to achieve what they set out to do in the midpoint. So okay. I think this is like the sequence of the lockdown. Lock in. We keep doing this. Lock in. We keep changing. I I've tr- I think I've said every possible suffix. The lock in yeah. happens. I think that it. You know, we see it going well. The laser tag. The laser tag guy and the future guy have to try something here that gets stopped. Well, I think like it also will get stopped not by Ernest or Nernest, but by Chuck and Bobby, or by the Linda Cashator. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, they, they all step up, and they're like, we also care about this place, and they stop, and they help Nernest stop those guys while Ernest oversees the, like, fun event happening, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about the power of, of friendship, because you bowl with other people. Yeah, I think, like, this is also, like, a turning point for the Linda Cash hater, where it's, like, she's constantly been, like, down on Ernest this whole time. And maybe, like, she sees, like, some evidence, or, like, maybe Nernest confides in her about what's going to happen, and, like, she, like, is like, all right, well, you know what? Ernest sucks, but I'm not going to let this bowling alley go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and then is the resolution, the climax of the story. And then the resolution is that they're successful. The lock-in mm-hmm. goes well. Uh, there might be a point where it looks like it wouldn't go well, but it goes well in the end. And... Oh, dude, I just had a genius idea. Go for it. The So the future guy and laser tag guy attack, and it seems like this is going to ruin it, but what it actually leads to is the accidental invention of, like, you know, laser, laser bowling. Bowler tag. <laughs> no, 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 but you know that thing, like, the act, what is that called? Like, where they turn on the black lights and yeah, the, yeah. the bowling yeah. alley. Like, they come up with that, and that's the thing that puts them over the edge, because it's like, oh, they're, like, hacking the system and shutting everything down and shooting lasers. But because the our secondary cast is interceding, it ends up being harmless, and everybody loves that. And then Ernest and Nernest build like a harm, a uh, you know, an intentional version of that as an addition to the bowling alley. Hell yeah, galaxy that's great! Bowling, right? Isn't yeah, galaxy called? bowling. Yeah, we we invent galaxy bowling. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's great. Uh, cool. So let's note that, and basically, it saves the day. Yeah, and then the res- so the resolution is everything's successful. The bowling alley's doing well. The owner retires and hands the keys over to Ernest. And Ernest says his final goodbye. And we get to see a vision of the beautiful bowling future. Okay, cool. Let's... We need, um... We need a villain resolution. Well, okay, so they get they get their asses kicked mm-hmm. in the... In plot turn two. 
I think, like, oh, okay, here's what it is. So when they're Ernest and Ernest are building the galaxy bowling thing, Ernest extends, like, an olive branch to the laser tag guy. And he's like, why don't you help me with this? Like, and we can work together. And then him and Ernest come up with a, they, like, he come, they come up with a galaxy bowling for the bowling place. And then Ernest helps him come up with an idea for laser tag where it's, like, a simulation of this fight where they have, like, a guy in a big costume playing, like, a cartoony version of the evil guy, and the kids have to work together to defeat him. Okay, cool. Uh, I like that a lot. Two options for the future time traveler then present themselves. The darker option of, oh, he disappears completely because he failed. Or the later option of he stays in the present and just is that evil guy that they work together against. Well, yeah, well, he, like, works the place. Like, that's cool. I was also thinking the idea of, like, he does disappear, and then also part of the bowling future thing is we see a good version of him in the future, like, ooh, okay. hanging out with Ernest and the kids. Uh, you know, ooh, ooh, let's have the good version be wheeling out old Ernest. Yes, old Ernest like the a, first. He's like a nurse. Yeah, and he's like, well, thank you there. I really appreciate it kindly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he's, like, got the scrubs on, and he's pushing. Yes, that's very good. I like that. It's very Biff. Yeah, that's what I, that's basically that was. You were like, "Oh, maybe he stays in the past," and the whole time I was thinking, I was like, "Obviously, we do the Biff thing." Yeah, but like, but it's like there's more nobility to this version than for sure with Biff because also we're not gonna make him be an attempted rapist like Biff. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> He's just a mean guy from the future. Yeah, so I like that a lot. And then he vanishes. And he's like, "No," and he's gone. But then we see him in the future, and he's a good guy, uh, and that works yes. out. That sounds like a pretty enjoyable movie we just came up with. Yeah, I fucking love it, dude. It's bonkers, but... Cool. So... Do you want to go through the essentials to make sure we got them all? Yeah, let's do that. And then let's compile all our notes into, like, a readable, serviceable movie. Sure, for sure. Okay, so obviously he's gonna... We already said he's gonna be wearing the hat and vest. Can we just have, like, him... Like, every time he has to go in for his job, Chuck and Bobby, who work the shoe stand, give him, like, their appropriate... Bowling hat and vest. Yeah, but it looks exactly the same, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, but they're Perfect. but they have like a they have like a like Ernest comes into work and they're and they the reason like the way we get introduced to Chuck and Bobby in this thing is that they have to give him the shoes, but also another hat and vest that is bowling safe and appropriate, and it's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like eh, 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 Ernest, make sure you wear your bowling vest, and they just <laughs> give him the same vest. Yeah, and he's like, ooh, thanks guys, that could have been a disaster. That's really good. That's mm-hmm. a good bit. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Low status with ambition. He uh, is the janitor, and he wants to become the manager. Yeah. Perfect. Totally. Did it. Uh, craftsman, like I said, I think we, we want to have him building like silly contraptions that try to collect the pins mm-hmm. or the to the bowling balls. Maybe he makes like a bowling ball cleaner that like shoot, gets the bowling ball all wet and greasy, and it like shoots it off and like bounces around. Yeah, it's definitely like. Uh... A version of Ernest Slam Dunk where the ball like just flies around everywhere, but it's a bowling ball, so it's even more disastrous. And it definitely yeah. ends with it flying to the nacho machine. Yeah, and I think this is actually a really good use of the craftsman thing because it actually becomes part of his character arc. Where at the end, he builds something successful with other people's help. Yes, so this leads to galaxy bowling. I mean, folksy wisdom, I feel like there's lots of opportunity for him to do that when he's explaining his ideas for the bowling alley and his philosophy about bowling. Like, I feel like we can put our goofy idea about the, like, the Tao of bowling saving the future into Ernest's mouth and have him pontificate about how, like, you know, we don't just roll our... We're not... (laughs) 
I always really like the, um, you remember from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends where there's that bowling pin guy who says a bunch of weird bowling wisdom to blow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just rip that off and have Ernest talk about rolling your soul down the... Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, also, like, part of it will be, like, part of the introduction to Ernest's character will him be going around and, like, he'll pass, like, the group of bowling dads who are doing their annual tournament or whatever and, like, mm-hmm. give them advice they definitely don't care about. Or maybe they do care about. Who knows? Definitely, like... Like, everybody in the bowling alley community kind of has an affinity for him, and they help out yes. with the lock-in at some point, but, like, mm. part of that is him giving the folksy wisdom to them of, like, when you're bowling, you got to turn your back straight, your eye has to be crooked, you have to look this way, your head has to be down, your foot has to be up, and all this other nonsense that, like, ends up with him just, like, turning himself into a fucking pretzel. Yeah, and he, like, throws a bowling ball straight up in the air, and it hits him on the head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> perfect. Uh, perfect. He <laughs> said that in unison. Uh, so his catchphrase is like, I, there's lots of room for him to use his catchphrases. I mean, if we're going to have the craftsman thing end with it hitting the nacho cheese machine, then it's like, it can spray the cheese everywhere and he can slip and fall in it and do the you. Well, also he's the janitor, so we could just throw in some toilet humor as his intro. Oh, well, we got it. You know, for just as a tribute to where we've come from, he has to start his sequence cleaning the bathrooms and then move out of those into the broad and he's into the broader bowling alley and he's doing his monologue about how important bowling is yeah totally bowling brings the community together as he looks into a toilet and goes ew yes uh and then you know like his snicker will that'll come in that's fine he'll be a stinker at some points no well we have him we have a a sequence where he's fighting a arcade machine like he could get the upper hand on it and snicker yeah and then and then it turns him into pixelated earnest yeah and then that covers the slapstick comedy we got lots of sequences of slapstick oh comedy. yeah we're covered on that and bowling alley has a lot of opportunity for slapstick comedy yeah totally when we established the gamma s thing we were talking about there being kids there you know he's like maybe there's like two teens on their first date and he like you know like does like a kiss the girl and like puts them close together um you know he he makes he makes a bouquet out of a bowling pen yeah yeah he like yeah there's there's like a children's birthday party that he helps with there's like lots of again lots of opportunities for that there we kind of like predicated on this idea of like bowling being this community thing which like leads directly into this idea totally and like he doesn't necessarily have like that kid sidekick but he has like friends that are kids that probably will help with the lock-in yeah so complicated relationship with animals and machines. We have the machines thing. We don't really have an animal element here. I know I no. said I was going to try and work Rimshot into whatever pitch. I think Rimshot slots easily into this. It's just like he's around. It's hard because he's going to be the workplace. Like why would Rimshot be there? But I also do think it's we could have like he's like, ah, well, I'll have Rimshot collect the pins. And then Rimshot doesn't want to do that. Uh, but also I feel like we don't really need that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to no, my beautiful No, no, it's okay. Rimshot. It's okay. I like the idea because it, it falls into chaos of like uh, Rimshot, you know, follows him to work one day and mm-hmm. it, he fu- he fucks everything up for Ernest because he's the Ernest of dogs. Yeah. Chuck and Bobby give him a bowling collar. Ooh, yeah. You know what? That, that does work because part of the intro is like Rimshot follows Ernest to work and everybody's upset, especially Linda Cash. Mm-hmm. And then they he sends Rimshot home, but Rimshot will show up later because he'll show up with uh, the group to like help with the thing like he won't be like a main character but he'll be like a side yeah oh no rim shots here we'll have like i never thought of i could never see myself fighting side by side with an elf moment but with linda cash and rim shot yeah totally <laughs> saves her at one point and they like have like a moment where they're like okay you're all right buddy <laughs> yeah totally 
That's great. Uh, also, like, the idea of, like, it's complicated because, well, one point Rimshot fucks it up for Ernest, but at another point he helps save Ernest. Yeah, which is, this is the classic Rimshot uh, stuff. Okay. A competent and inept we have covered. Definitely. Cartoon violence, we've definitely covered. Yeah, we, I've pitched. I think I've pitched two different events where he gets hit with a bowling ball on the head. So yes, <laughs> perfect. Cartoon violence. Overly and quickly confident, kind of covered. I think a lot of that's going to be like when he finds out that the arcade machine's like broken. Mm. Uh, he's like, "Well, I got this," and he starts to play the game, whatever the game is, to like help beat it. And then Nerdus is like, "No, you have to help beat the arcade machine. Like, stop it from overreacting. Not." play the game to beat it he's like yeah. no i know what i'm doing and that i definitely feel that also sort of covers easily bamboozled and distracted for sure especially uh with like the laser tag group maybe trying to like con- bamboozle him into doing the lock-in to begin with yeah and also he- he's bamboozled easily bamboozled because he meets a person that looks like him whose name is nernest and doesn't put anything together yep. and also thinks that nernest is a normal name there has to be <laughs> there has to be a moment like a scene of like, well, uh, my name is uh, Nernest. And there has to be like Ernest like filling out like a clipboard or whatever. And like he has to like look at Nernest, look at his clipboard, look at Nernest, look at the clipboard, look at Nernest, look at the clipboard. And it has to be like super elongated. And then he's like, all right, well, Nernest. <laughs> or he's like, or he's like, Nernest. Is that French? <laughs> I think also at some point Nernest has to like stop himself from saying one of Ernest's catchphrases. He's like, you know what I am saying? <laughs> Yeah. That's really dumb, but I love it. You know what I have meant? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and then he and then he ends as like leaving, he's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. So good. Very cool. Uh so fantastical element covered. Um, it's time travel. <laughs> also, weirdly, weight of prophecy. Covered. Yeah, it comes back. Comes back. Can't escape it. Uh, chaos is all over this. We've got lots of chaos in this. So much chaos. Uh, now, Ernest must suffer physically and emotionally, ultimately triumph. Definitely. That's kind of worked into the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-sacrifice. Here's a weird one. I think when he gets, when he goes, when um, Nernest is getting beaten up by future guy and laser tag guy, I think Ernest should put himself between them. And I also think there's room for him to, to also do that in the arcade machine fight. Mm-hmm. I think also part of it is his sacrificing his name wait what uh, no he, hear me out so the lock-in right like yeah. it, it is like a big thing for the bowling alley but i think part of the reason why Ernest's family has delved into failure over time in the future is because Ernest didn't want any of the lock-in failure to be attributed with the name of the guy who originally ran the bowling alley mm-hmm so uh he like the reason that like one of the reasons that Ernest comes back is like because Ernest was such someone to look up to because he wouldn't let his mentor or whoever owned the bowling alley uh, be dragged down with him. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I can I can get behind that. That sounds that sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> so Ernest allows his legacy to be tarnished, <laughs> and that's part of why it's so emotional at the end. Where not it's not just that he's alive, but it's also that everybody loves him. Yes. Well, there's something wrong with our brains. <laughs> Why are we so invested in this stupid character? We have come a long goddamn way for this, and we deserve it, Nate. Yeah, okay. It's also, I want you to know that, like, I was saying that, and it made me feel, like, kind of, like, emotional. Yeah, it should. Yeah. Ernest has to hit rock bottom. 
Uh, yeah, it's a part where we've we talked about it. that's the reason that the lockdown has to work is because he is at the end of his rope. But also, uh, I what I wanted to do, what I had the idea for, uh, was him like connecting with the community of bowling, where he talks to the bowling dads and he talks to the kids and the guys on a date and what have you, and uh, they come back later to help with the lock-in. Mm-hmm. They like show up with like tools and supplies and games. Like the kids bring like risk and shit for like people to play and have a good time. The bowling dads like bring the rest of their tournament buddies and like help bring in business and shit like that yeah yeah and they're like teaching the kids how to ball better and stuff yeah but like before that moment there's like a moment where like Ernest has the lock in and like nobody comes and it's like open for like a second and he's like well at least we tried Ernest I'm sorry this is you know this is me this is my problem I want to make sure that you know this doesn't go back to uh Mr. We Whatever. Will, we will also name that character. We'll, we'll, we'll after we're done this, we'll name all the characters and then we'll coalesce everything into the final pitch. Yes, uh, but like it'll be like you know, this is me. This is all my fault, and it'll be like this moment of like him like putting his head in his hands and being upset, and then the doors will open and all the people that we saw, all the, like the side characters that we saw, will come in and help get everything set up and ready to go. And they're like, oh, we we put the flyers around the school. Oh, we did this. We did that. And rim shots here. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Cool. So, so then, Hater. Hater, we have covered by Linda Cash, uh, playing the food connoisseur, the uh, food stand manager, mm-hmm. who's really uh, uptight about that stuff, but also like just wants to do a good job. And then she eventually teams up with Rimshot. <laughs> they help out. Yes. So our two character trope, we we got Chuck and Bobby as the as the shoe cops. Yeah, and they definitely help out later with like helping everybody get the right shoes and be safe and stuff and they're doing their own thing off to the side a lot measuring people's shoes uh, we have bobby going around like looking at everybody's shoes like mm-hmm. just going from aisle to aisle and like like doing like these weird like r- tape roller measurements as he goes along and then uh chuck doing like the eyes and shit yeah yeah perfect so okay. also when the nacho cheese goes everywhere chuck has like that facial like ah! yeah yeah because it goes over the shoes. It, it gets on the shoes, and Bobby freaks out. I, I don't necessarily know how we would work this in, but I kind of want him to learn about the uh, time travel so he can have, like, a he's polarized line. Where he's like, it's tachyons. <laughs> it's tachyon. Uh You don't understand. Ernest is doing this to save the future. Yeah, exactly. As, as, as he tells the kids, and the kids are like, all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, great. And then, and then the opening credits to set to a goofy tone. This could be accomplished through either a I focus on idea. the bowling aspect or the focus on the future aspect. But you have an idea, so let's hear that idea. Let's. We can. This actually works because we can sort of combine them. The future aspect will purely be aesthetic, though. So, everybody on the internet loves the crazy animations that happen when you get a strike at a bowling alley. So we have oh, yeah. those be the opening credits, like C- goofy CGI, like uh, you know animated bowling pins and stuff and the credits are happening and like it's like boom strike and then we see a little short animation maybe we even green screen in jim varney to like bumble around inside of the um, oh a hundred percent we're like the the goofy cartoon bowling ball is flying towards jim varney who's standing as straight as a pin and then it's like split and he's like woo yeah so that that's my pitch for the do you have a different idea no that fucking rules i'm down with that that's all of them cool we did it so let's Round this out, name the characters, and then just outline this pitch and call it a day and go home to our uh, wife and kids. 
Mm-hmm. Our collective our, wife and our kids. Our wife and kids that we share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had a big custody fight. that fan wiki. <laughs> okay, so first, what's, what should we name the owner? I feel like it should it should just be like a Mr. something. Mr. Mr. Walton. Mr. Walton's good. Who else? So Linda Cash's character, what should we name her? Let's name her. It's gotta be like a food thing. So let's name her like Patricia Lemon. Patricia Lemon is good. I like it. Patty Lemon? Yeah, Patty Lemon. And like, that's like, go, also goes into her character. She's a little bit sour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Chuck and Bobby, I think it should just be Chuck and Bobby. Yeah, totally. Uh, that could be fine. We don't need to change anything about that. That, that works. Uh, laser tag guy. It's gotta be like a mean name. Like it, it shouldn't be Butch, but it's gotta have like the vibe of Butch. You know what I mean? What if it's like hmm, it's got the vibe of Butch, but it's not Butch. Biff. <laughs> <laughs> no. Bert. I'm stuck on bees. <laughs> Clark. Glenn. Glurk. That's not a name. <laughs> Harvey. Harvey? Okay, Harvey could work. Marv? Marv? Mm. Not Marv. Because you think of Sin City immediately? No, I thought of Home Alone. Oh, okay. What did you say? What did you say? Harvey was the one that you said before I went to Clark. Harvey's yeah. good. Harvey what? Uh. Harvey. Biff. Min. <laughs> Laser Boy. Zap. Beam. Ooh, no, I got it. This is dumb. Okay, hit me with it. Harvey Nash. Oh my god. When you said this is dumb, I was like, well, whatever he says, the next thing I'm going to say is Nash. <laughs> like, what is the, I did it. What is the implication there? A relation. Okay, it's Harvey Nash then. Another reason to hate Ernest. I don't think we ever need to directly acknowledge it. No. I mean, we don't, we don't have to get into it in the movie, but I think like, I think like it's a fun Easter egg. Yeah, if you know, you know, and you can come up with a theory, and that'll all the, like, you know, like, for, for generations, kids are going to be puzzling over, like, where, what is the earnest timeline, um, and that's going to give them a lot, of, a lot of meat to work with there. Yeah, so I like that. Harvey Nash. Uh, and then the future time travel guy, definitely last name Nash, right? Yeah, but he needs to have, like, a threatening future name. His name needs to be, like, Slash. Slash Nash. <laughs> No, that's awful. But something like that, right? Let's make it... Crunch. Crunch Nash. Pierce. Crash Nash. Pierce Nash? Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I like that. You should, but you don't like you don't like Crash Nash? I, I mean, I do, but like also, how dumb do we want to go? You know? Uh, do you want to ask Wheel? <laughs> we could ask Wheel. Pierce or Crash? All right, Wheel. You did me dirty, but now I need you to come through for me. Yeah, come back in, Wheel. You've been here this whole time. Tell us uh, what, which like, one you like better. Yeah, Wheel. What is it? What's it going to be? Pierce Nash or Crash Nash? He agrees with me. It's Crash Nash. Okay, Crash Nash. They call me Nash, son. Crash Nash. Do we need to name oh, any other characters? I love it. I think that's all of them, right? Well, yeah, we don't get a name like the... Well, alright, we should... I keep calling them bowling dads, but there's definitely a tournament like dads to get together at, on like after the weekends and like have this like bowling tournament for the community. They should have a community team name. Yeah. Uh, let's call them... What should we call them? I'm, all, my brain is trying to think of dad puns. Or not even puns, but just like plays on, the, on dad. Hmm. 
Or maybe, maybe, maybe they could also just have like a. I was like briefly on a bowling team, on a two person bowling team when I was a child. We were called the Killer Whales. Like they could just have like a a team name. Yeah, I was actually thinking of like Bears. Yeah, Bears is good. Very easy. The Bowling, bowling bears. bears. Yeah, that works for me. Cool. We're not going to directly acknowledge it, obviously, but there's definitely like an implication with that name, right? About these gentlemen. Sure. Why not? Like I'm saying, we should if we're casting them. These got to be some thick dads. Stop being so horny. <laughs> okay. The Bowling Bears, that's the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we need a name for the town. Oh, the right? town, yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter what state it's in. It's definitely in America. But, like, it needs to be, like, we need a town name. Splitsville. Oh, Splitsville. That's interesting. Yeah, and it has, like, a bad reputation to begin with, and the Bowling Alley fixes the reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, no one gets, no one who's married stays married in Splitsville. <laughs> sure, dude. Come on. You know I had to make that no, fucking I know, joke. I, know. I don't blave you. Okay, sure. Splitsville. Oh, well, should we okay, name the bo- cool. bowling alley? Should probably have a name. Yeah, oh, we have to name the bowling alley. It's a, it's kind of sad that we didn't name the bowling alley Splitsville. You can name the bowling alley Splitsville and name the town something else. No, Splitsville's the town. Bowling alley needs to be something, like, dynamic. Because, like, when you, when you do bowl, you don't want to split. No, you want to strike. Yeah. Hmm. Do we name it after our dear departed friend, Goal Strike Zone? No. No, we do not. Get out of here. What's the thing? Uh, we could call it Strike Zone. Mm-hmm. We could call it... I mean, that's pretty generic, but... I mean, that's fine. Strike Zone bowling. I mean, does it have to be anything more than generic? No. What about the pinter of our discontent? That's awful. <laughs> I love it. No, we can't use that. <laughs> we so can't bad. use that. I think, no, I think that's Strike awful. Zone is fine if we just call it Strike Zone. Yeah, Strixen's perfect. What's the laser tag place called? Laser tag place needs to be called. Like, it's, I mean, it's with... oh, you know what? You know what? No, I got it. 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 The laser tag place is laser zone, right? Okay. The bowling place is something different, and at the end they combine to be strike zone. Okay, so the okay. The bowling has the place has to be like something dumb, like strikeout. Yeah, strikeout's good. Yeah, so it's it's strikeout bowling, and then laser zone. And then they combine to be strike zone at the end. Yes, that that's it. And, we yeah, did. and so Ernest and, and Harvey Nash become partners. Yes. Okay. All right. So yeah. So I think that that's everything that needs to be named is named, right? Cool. Who do we imagine playing Harvey Nash and also Crash Nash? <laughs> um. Just out of curiosity. Who do I imagine? Uh, do you have any ideas? Honestly, I was thinking that Crash Nash could be played by John Goodman. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I would see, I, I guess that could work. Because I'm, I'm imagining, like, Barton Fink, John Goodman. Yeah, I, I feel like John Goodman's almost too big. Um, you, we called him a big guy. What if it's, uh, what, I was imagining. Also, there's a lot of physical comedy and a big guy sneaking yeah. around. That's true. But, I mean, I was imagining the future guy being more big. I like the thing of him being, like, a cartoonish, like, cyberpunk dork with, like, his little glasses and his black leather duster what if it's um what is that guy's name the guy who plays uh casey jones in the ninja turtle movies i don't actually think he's very well known no he's not that's what i'm going for he seems like the level of guy that could maybe be in in not in like a, a slightly higher budget earnest movie all right what is this guy's name casey jones is played by steven amell no that's oh that's green arrow that's not who i'm talking about. i'm talking about the guy from the 90s one. Oh. he is elias Codius. Oh. I mean, I also like the Green Arrow actor. I guess. I was trying to think about, like, if, if this was going to happen at some point while the these movies were a thing. But if 
I also kind of like like that. I like that guy's a strange. He has a strange screen presence. Yes. I don't think we need to narrow down a, a thing, but I, I like the idea where we're like, well, it could be either guy who's played Casey Jones. <laughs> He's good. Uh, also, we made the joke that the guy that wakes up every day and thinks he should be the Punisher but isn't, who was eventually Crossbones in the MCU. Oh, that guy. Um, Frank Grillo? Is that his name? Yeah, Frank Grillo. Yeah, okay, I like having someone like that, and then we I like kind of changing it so it's less that he's like a cyberpunk guy, and more that he's like a weird, like, chauvinistic, like, survivalist dude. Mm-hmm. Like a really, like, aggro type of guy with, like, a big truck. Yeah. Is there anybody else that we need to worry about casting stuff? I mean, we just get some kind of old man to play Mr. Walton. Yeah, Mr. Walton. Um, hmm. Dick Van Dyke? Sure, that works. I like that. Yeah, I mean that. That I like that a lot. Again, our budgets—we gotta play within the budget. Mm. I think the Van Dyke works. I feel like they could have gotten him. Yeah, Scrubs can get him. Fucking Eris can get him. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So we got this. We're all set. Well, listeners, here we are at the point of the final pitch. You've most likely skipped here to get rid of our big brain gooey mess of brainstorming, but this is it. We've decided on Ernest Goes Bowling as our movie. A, a decision that was uh, contested, but decided, and we have come up with a treat. So start us off, Nate, and uh, we'll go a little bit back and forth. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's basically the movie that you would imagine when you hear the title Ernest Goes Bowling. Obviously, it opens in the dark cyberpunk future of the Splitsville Urban Conflict Zone where the world has descended into a sort of dystopian nightmare of cyberpunk ultraviolence, a la uh, Judge Dredd and other similar works. A young man is kneeling in respect at the grave of Ernest P. the I, and he decides that he is going to activate his special time travel watch and go back in time to the place where this all started. Unbeknownst to him, he is followed into the past, by his enemy, the violent and unstoppable Crash Nash. This young man and Crash Nash disappear into the past, and we smash cut to... Well, I think at this point we would have our opening, which would be... We cut to our credit sequence, which would be a compilation of those like bowling cartoons that you'd see at bowling uh, alleys, where you get a strike, and the cartoon 1920s bowling ball is like there dancing... Or like goes in the pins and the pins like, oh no. But we green screen in Ernest, who sometimes is the pin, he's sometimes the ball, and he is having difficulties avoiding it and eventually gets knocked over and that's the opening credit sequence. Yes. And then we cut to the actual setting of this movie, which is the strikeout bowling alley in the well not peaceful, kinda crummy small American town of Splitsville, where Ernest works as a janitor, and we establish that despite uh, you know, any difficulties that might be going on in the world outside. Strikeout Bowling is a peaceful place where the community comes together. Ernest lectures us on the importance of bowling. He has a slapstick sequence where he builds some wacky machines to help him clean and maintain the bowling alley. We establish that Chuck and Bobby are there, and they are two fastidious shoe rental guys. Bobby, in particular, is obsessive about maintaining and protecting the shoes, we establish Ernest Hader, who is the persnickety 
concession stand vendor who we ideally will be played by Linda Cash. Her name is Patricia Lemon. Yes, we established that Bobby trades Ernest's hat and vest in for a safe bowling hat and vest. And then Ernest goes on behind the scenes to clean out some toilets. And we get the classic, ew. Yes, exactly. And then we learn at the end of the sequence, after having firmly established, you know, that the bowling alley is this, this wonderful, beautiful place. Where we have, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we do are introduced to a community of characters as well. Uh, we got the uh, bowling tournament dads, the bowling bears. We got like a cute couple that's on a date. We got a group of kids having a birthday party. There's all this like community happening. As well as next door to the bowling alley, the strikeout, we have the laser zone. Yes, which is run by the villainous douchebag named Harvey Nash, who wants the strikeout to close down so he can expand his laser tag arena into the bowling alley. In contrast to the friendly and lovable employees and customers at strikeout, the people who frequent the laser zone are you know just your classic like 80s and 90s movie bully shitty kids yes and they go and pick on the birthday party which Ernest kind of steps in and after having a uh, comedy routine where he shows them how to bowl properly and gets knocked on the head with a bowling ball he then steps in to save the kid from the rude rowdy teens and causes like a nice moment of community where he encounters his boss who's goes to tell him a secret, and we are introduced to Mr. Walton, who manages and owns the bowling alley. He reveals that he is going to be retiring soon, and when he does, the bowling alley is going to have to shut down. Ernest pleads with him, because he he believes in the power of this bowling alley, and he wants to take it over, and he tells Ernest that, you know, he would rather see this place shut down than see Ernest and it drag each other down. And unless Ernest has to prove that he can not just run but expand the business before Mr. Walton retires in order to be given rights to own and operate the bowling alley. Yes, Ernest pleads and says that he can he can prove that he can deal with this uh, because he wants the bowling alley to be around because he really enjoys being with the community and really thinks that it's a standard staple of Splitsville. Yes, and then this is when our time traveler arrives. Okay, so our time-traveling hero is a descendant of Ernest, as we will learn, who he has come to understand that the the sort of ultimate turning point in the fate of the future is whether or not this bowling alley is successful. If it fails, then the entire world will adopt the outlook and ideology of the laser zone and will lead to the violent future that he came from. But if the bowling alley succeeds then he can hopefully make a better and brighter future for himself. And so he's gone undercover in a very believable disguise to help Ernest save the bowling alley. And he does this by applying for a job and uh, using the not-at-all-conspicuous uh, codename of Nernest. <laughs> yes, Nernest D. Borrell. Yes, so Nernest applies. Uh, we have a comedy moment of Ernest almost quite figuring out that Nernest is not a name, but, you know, doesn't. And it goes well. And then the evil, buff, very, like, jockey Crash Nash comes in. I described him when I came up with the idea for him as being the leader of the mutants from Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. So he's like Bane. He comes in and he pulls aside Harvey Nash. 
and says that we have to ensure what you're already planning goes through because there are forces at work against us. Uh, and they team up to talk about how they're going to take down Ernest and Nernest. Yes. And Ernest and Nernest came up with their first idea to improve and expand the business of the bowling alley, which is by installing an arcade machine, which at first works very well and is bringing in a pretty good amount of money. Yes. We have a new arcade area with a bunch of different machines that uh, kids are bringing in. Like the, the teens that normally go over to Laser Tag are now want to play the arcade games. And they're taking away business from Laser Zone. And to get back at them, Crash Nash and Harvey Nash decide to do some uh, wire rearranging and cause one of the arcade machines, maybe one of the ones that Ernest built himself, to go haywire. Yes, they use their future technology. And the arcade machine comes to life and starts like spewing quarters everywhere and like extending wires and slapping people around and shooting lasers out of its screen and causing all, all kinds of a mess, lots of damage, scaring people off. Uh, and it is up to Ernest and Nernest to defeat this. Yes, and the way that Ernest tries to defeat it is he tries to play it. And he tries to get a high score thinking that that'll cause it to stop. The only way to defeat a machine is to beat a machine. And he goes into that mode, but the machine eats him in a very dumb slapstick way. And he becomes pixelized Ernest in the machine as Nernest just shuts it down and unplugs it. And then we cut back to the pixelized Ernest, which is just Ernest face up against the glass in the arcade machine, begging to be let out. Yes. So they do eventually defeat the machine, and they are left with this realization that they're going to have to use all of the money they earned from setting up the arcade to pay to repair all of the damages that the Haywire arcade machine caused to the bowling alley, which has set them back to square one, but now with even less time before Mr. Walton retires. Right, and while this is happening also, in addition to the damages from the arcade, we find out that Ernest's dog, Rimshot, has followed him to work. And Chuck and Bobby have to deal with containing Rimshot, who gets into Patty Lemon's area and causes a lot of food catastrophes. She grows to hate Rimshot, and at one point, one of the arcade machine parts flies into her nacho cheese machine that she's very protective of and gets nacho cheese everywhere and all over the bowling shoes, which causes Bobby... To freak out and Chuck to look at the camera and make those eyes. Yes. So now, with seemingly very no more options left and the uh, date of the closure of the bowling alley rapidly encroaching, Nernest pitches an idea to Ernest. He t has an old dusty flyer for an event that had been held at the bowling alley in his timeline, which was a, a you know like an all night lock in sort of event. This didn't work, though. This was Ernest's big plan to fix the bowling alley, and it failed. But he doesn't really see any other options. And when he shows it to Ernest, Ernest is very enthusiastic about the idea. But as they begin to prepare for it, Ernest gets more and more nervous about whether or not this is going to work. And he ultimately decides that he is going to abandon the lofty ideals of bowling and embrace the violence of laser tag and march over to the laser zone and physically fight the Crash Nash and Harvey Nash. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for Nernest, Crash Nash and Harvey Nash were prepared and ready. They are in their home turf. And to fight them, you have to find them in the laser tag zone. And we get a wonderful like kind of war montage of Nernest trying to like find them in the laser tag zone and constantly running into, like, dummies and, like, other props. And eventually they uh, corner him 
and give him a bloody nose. Yeah, and you know, Ernest at some point he go, he goes to show something to Ernest. He sees he's not there, uh, and he goes off to find him, and he he finds him in the laser zone, you know, beaten and bloody and defeated, and he he carries him back to the strikeout and. This is when they, you know, Nernest realizes that, like, it really is all down to the lock-in. There's nothing else he can do at this point. They just have to make sure that this succeeds. Yes. So they go to the food court, and Ernest helps to patch up Nernest as they're talking in general with Chuck and Bobby and Patty Lemon to discuss how to make this, this lock-in work. And they talk about different ideas and what they can do. Patty Lemon, you know, is doesn't really want much to do with it but starts to like you see that she like kind of cares and she's like off to the side like doing her own thing but you see she's definitely interested in listening to the plan uh and as Ernest is describing different stuff they could do we see him in some different disguises of ideas and he definitely does his aunt nelda of like you know well my son died doing this blah 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 but they consult Ernest's other personas for uh advice they meet with the council of Ernest's. yes and they eventually come up with some ideas, and they get ready for the lock-in, and uh, they put flyers up. And we cut away to uh, Harvey and Crash, like, coming up with ideas to destroy the lock-in, because they're also secretly listening again. We get mm. to the night of the lock-in, and no one shows up. Mm. We see that, like, you know, it's, like, open for business, and there's, like, crickets. And, like, after, like, 30 minutes, like, no one's coming. And it's revealed that Harvey and Crash Nash ensure that the flyers didn't go anywhere. Yes. But then when it appears as if all is lost... And Ernest is, like, at his lowest rock bottom. Uh, everybody shows up. Yes. The teens who are on a date invite all their friends. The kids bring out all the, like, their uh, parents. The bowling dads bring the other tournament groups that are similar to the bowling bears. And everybody, like, chips in to help with this. And even we see Patty Lemon working together with Rimshot to... Uh, <laughs> somehow add to this and rimshot's helping her make a bunch of food i guess i'm not sure yes. i'm not sure how that works but we'll, we'll make he's that work stirring or something yeah he's definitely helping but then everything seems to be going well and in response to this the nashes attack yes and they're like hacking into the electrical grid and turning the lights on and off and they're shooting lasers around and Ernest is working on making sure everything is going smoothly and, like, interacting with all the guests. Yeah, and he's trying to eat a hot dog, and the hot dog keeps, like, falling out of the hot dog bun. Yes. <laughs> got a lot of hot, gotta have a hot dog-based sequence. Of course. Yeah, and so, in order to keep them from totally destroying the whole lock-in thing, the secondary characters, Nernest, Chuck and Bobby, Patty Lemon, Rimshot, they all band together to defend the bowling alley from these two thugs from the laser tag place and their attack creates like a really groovy atmosphere where you know it's to us the viewer who are aware of it we're like this is starting to look a lot like galaxy bowling the best kind of bowling and at the end once they're totally defeated and the lock-in has gone perfectly, and everyone loves it, and it's clear that, like, the bowling alley is going to succeed. Yeah, the, the Galaxy Bowling brings in, like, a, a bunch of new people because everybody texts their friends about how cool it is. Yeah. Uh, Ernest extends an olive branch, an act of mercy, to Harvey Nash. And he's like, oh, he, you know, I think Ernest should maybe not totally understand that he was trying to, like, kill him. He's like, oh, what you did looked, uh, looked great. Everybody loved it. Like, let's work together and we can make this, like, a real thing. And then Harvey Nash is like, you know what? You're right. This was actually pretty cool. 
and they start drawing like designs up for how to like make galaxy bowling a thing and include like the laser zone and we see crash nash just start to fade and in a villain just disappears completely and then we learn over time like a montage of like the bowling alley being like built back up we learn the names combined into becoming the strike zone a wonderful community place where you can bowl and play laser tag and have a wonderful time but they develop a new cooperative version of laser tag where the players work together to defeat like a cartoonish like mascot suit version of crash nash yeah and everybody loves it and we see the kids who are the bullies and the kids who are having the birthday party like teaming up and like working together as a group and even like the bowling bear dads are there and having a wonderful time playing laser tag and then we cut to Ernest says his goodbyes and he says I, I have been hiding something from you Ernest my name isn't really Ernest and Ernest is like what and he's like my real name is Ernest P. Worrell the fifth before he returns to the future he says keep doing a good job you know what I mean and yes. during the entire movie he has a problem with like trying to not say you know what I mean to give away his secret identity he says you know what I'm saying you know uh, what I'm, I'm talking about and then the end it's like you know what I mean yes exactly so the very end of the movie Nernest who we now know is actually an Ernest travels back to the future that's a term I just came up with. Don't look it up. And we see a bright, shining, peaceful future. There's like trees growing. Like it looks all the lighting's better. It's maybe just the same sets as the future from before, but they're better lit now. Yeah. And uh, he goes to where the cemetery he was at in the beginning should be, but instead it's like a nice park. And we see for a second. There's maybe there's like a like a oh no. Oh, because we see Crash Nash, but then we camera pans down, and he's wearing scrubs, and he's pushing an old man in a wheelchair, and it's Ernest, and he looks exactly the same, except he has a really long white beard, and he pushes him up to, like, a crowd of, like, kids hanging out in the park, and Ernest starts, you know, like, talking to him and playing with them, and Ernest V looks on from the distance, and he smiles. Yeah, and the movie ends as Crash Nash goes to wave and say hi to Ernest, and let's go of the wheelchair of Ernest, which goes flying out into the field. He goes, and that ends the film. Yeah. Perfect. And so just to like, the really like, we did the whole thing. We outlined like the whole part of the movie for you. But if you just want like the pure distilled version, I can give it to you right now. Go for it. Ernest Goes Bowling is a movie where Ernest has to work to save a beloved but struggling bowling alley. And also the fate of the future lies in the balance. That's the plot line. And that's our movie. And that is the perfect earnest movie the perfect pitch for an earnest movie we did it we have come a long way we have suffered physically mentally emotionally seen all the earnest films even the one film that is not even an earnest film but has earnest in it for like two seconds and we did it earnest goes bowling is the pinnacle the alpha the omega the perfect earnest film that will never see the light of day but in theory would have been astounding but, you know, the beautiful thing about this is that had it actually existed, there would ju- it would just be one movie, right? It would just be Ernest Goes Bowling and you could watch it. But now, now there are infinite versions of it because there's a di- slightly different Ernest Goes Bowling in the minds of every listener. Even Josh and, and me, we're, we're imagining slightly different movies. Ernest Goes Bowling belongs to everyone. And is our gift to the world. And you're welcome. So is there anything else that we need to do, Nate? 
I don't think so. Well, we should maybe talk about what's next for Pitch Perfect, right? That is true. That's true. Well, we're going to be moving into a space that is similar, but still kind of different from where we've been. Rather than looking at a character who persists entirely along a franchise, we're going to look at a single actor who has a sort of mostly consistent comedic persona that extends across most of his filmography. And I think you could probably already guessed it. We are going to be talking about the films of Pauly Shore in Pitch Perfect, the podcast, not the movie, season two on Distant Shores. Yes, that's right. We've hinted at it probably throughout multiple episodes. We might have just straight up said it. Yeah, like a bunch. Uh, I, I, I was being generous when I said hinted at. <laughs> but that will be our season two. So you have that to look forward to. And we hope you stick around and join us for that sure to be wonderful season where Nate again forces me to watch a movie that is very bad where there is a character in the army now yes that's gonna kind of gonna be the unifying element cool uh but yeah and so just to be clear for the first film that we're gonna watch in the first episode of this next season we are gonna view the classic encino man lots to look forward to there so that concludes the season thank you so much for joining us we do this of course in remembrance of the famous jim varney uh who was taken from us way too soon we love the character of ernest emphatically like we had a really good time doing this and we hope that other people will get to enjoy the good earnest movies and not the bad ones and keep jim varney in our hearts so with that being said thank you so much for listening hope you'll join us next time and until next time remember there's a right and wrong in the universe and the distinction is not hard to make you know what i mean